0: Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is a moonsalt media production and is intended for private use only. For more information, contact RetromaniaPodcast at gmail.com.
1: The following recording is a production of Kicking Out at 2 in conjunction with the RetroMania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network and is intended for private use only. For more information, head on over to Facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two. Or our Twitter handle at Kickin' Out Too, along with searching Retromania with a W on any and all podcast platforms available to listen to archive shows such as this and all the great content of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Evergreen content at your fingertips anytime at your listening pleasure. And with that being said, we thank you for listening and hope you enjoy the show.
0: Everybody, and welcome to Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network presents Marking Out of Days, the Rebrand Season. And we'll be covering today the Battle Royal at Albert Hall. I'm one half of the hosting squad, Kirby Nider, and I'm joined here with Dave Rosenbluth.
2: Dave, hello.
1: Well, good afternoon, good morning, good evening. I don't even know what fucking time it is as we're <laughs> recording this right now. Um, I, I like the British touch, the, the as we're going with the theme here, with the Battle Royal at Royal Albert Hall. A special request by our special listener, Nick Opeluski. Uh, a long time ago he requested this, and we thought that you know, it wasn't in the cards then, but considering we've reached the anniversary of it just last week, Uh, I thought it'd be kind of cool to cover it And finally get this one out of the way A whopping 2 hours and 40 minutes So, pack a lunch, a beverage Maybe even a diaper so you don't get up and have to use the bathroom Because we're going to be in for it for the next couple hours here On this watch along But, with the advent of pre-recorded content You could always pause it And go take a shit, make a sandwich Answer the door, fuck the milkman Do what you gotta do But still Keep, keep, in, keep in contact with us here uh, marking out today's the, the rebrand season
0: absolutely yeah I'm really excited for this not really uh, well I, I just got jittered up on some coffee so we'll see how long that'll last and then I have a chocolate carnation instant breakfast so you're right I might be shitting myself halfway
1: through no, so just let me know and I'll just keep the running commentary going for our listeners so that we don't have to, have absolutely. to pause it and then you can go absolutely. wipe your ass and we'll be done with it you yeah?
0: know Yeah, and if you guys uh, listening along want to join in the fun, Dave, where can we find this? We are over uh, on the Peacock.
1: It's the worst streaming app in the history of streaming apps in all of America, the world, the multiverse, the metaverse, whatever the fuck you want to call it. It's the worst app. The interface sucks. It takes forever. You can have top speed internet, and this shit runs slower than the tortoise beating the hare, okay? So with that being said, search Battle Royal at Royal Albert Hall okay you can find that over on the peacock in the wwe hub section it runs two hours and 40 minutes and 50 something seconds all right you can find that in the the special home video section okay the main event is the battle royal the royal albert hall i mean why wouldn't it be because that's the name of the fucking show right um so we'll uh we'll, we'll press play when we tell you to press play And from time to time, Kobe might turn the audio up so we can get a glimpse of what's going on. Other than that, you're going to get running commentary from the two of us. We're going to talk about a lot of things. You know, they're they're concurrent with the product that we're watching. We might even go off topic a little bit because we tend to do that from time to time. And uh, yeah, you know, maybe maybe someone will take a bathroom break and someone will have to hold the fort down. Uh, Maybe the UPS driver will. Knock on the door and ring the doorbell and, and bring me my action figure that I've been waiting so patiently for from Target. Uh, Macho Man NWO Black and White Macho Man Ultimate Edition Mattel. Metalli- yeah, so he's uh, he's on the he's he, he's he's expected. His arrival is expected today at some point. So um,
0: you know, I got the Macho Man Red and Black uh, from back in the day, 1998.
1: Uh, oh, the um, the the Marvel. I have that one as well. Yes, I do. I. I-
0: I th- was it Marvel or who was working with uh like they put out like Nash Bam Bam Bigelow they put out a lot of... I like, think it was like WCW Marvel Toy
1: Biz or something it. like that like uh, Toy yeah, toys that's yeah. it. I got a bunch it's, of those yeah, yeah those those really? are pretty cool those are underrated action figures but
0: we'll, 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 great stuff and we can talk about action figures more as we get into this Hasbro era uh, edition of this Coliseum or
1: not, was this
0: Coliseum exclusive this,
1: well, this was a col I mean it was ex- it it aired on Sky Sports in the UK as like a special. It wasn't necessarily a – It's a pay-per-view, actually. I think it, I think you are right. I think it was a pay-per-view. I don't know if it was a TV spe- – Yeah, it was definitely a pay-per-view because there's no commercials. Yeah. Um, but then it became a Coliseum home video exclusive. And I, I've watched this show before. This is a fun show. So um, the, the, the setup is pretty unique. But let's get into it, all right? Battle Royal, Royal Albert Hall. Um, on your peacock. Grab your cock. Press play when I tell you to press play. In three, two, one – Play. See the Battle Royal at Royal oh, Albert Hall logo from the Daily Star. We get footage of. Wow. WWF Action with guys like The Mountie, The Barbarian, The Rockers, Roddy Piper, Texas Tornado, Nasty Boys, Paul Bearer, The Undertaker, Power and Glory, Tio Santana, The Legion of Doom, Roddy Piper, Jimmy Hart, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Some Random Jobber, Tornado with the Tornado Punch, Rockers with the Flying Clothesline, Nasty Boys, Natural Disasters, Hacksaw Jim Duggan again, Nature Boy, Ric Flair, here we are at the Battle Royal at the Royal Albert Hall. Check it out. I like the setup, like the 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 hell yeah, love the architectural, the, the opera theater type of setup. If you if if you get what I'm saying,
0: Gorilla and Bobby.
1: Yes, the of course the 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 go to tandem, um, at during this era in the World Wrestling Federation. No better, but to still I think they're the GOATs when it comes to the, the one-two punch combination. Better than JR and the King, okay? Better than fucking Excalibur and Taz, okay? For all you AEW fans <laughs> out there who are going to put them on that fucking Mount Rushmore list. If you didn't notice, yeah, my, think- my, my 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 I paid an homage to Excalibur uh, as we were going through that open when they showed the clips of all the, the, the superstars of the World Wrestling Federation going through lightning speed uh, because when excalibur promotes the upcoming card or promotes next week's dynamite that motherfucker's out of breath like he's like
0: yes i did oh it's, you can't
1: even keep up with him you can't even keep up with him it's like you don't need to promote everything nobody gives a shit that wheeler ute is going to wrestle daniel garcia okay nobody's going to give a shit that fucking um what's his name um um, I don't even know his name because they got 800 members on their roster. Some random guy that trained in, in Cody Rhodes' Nightmare Factory is going to wrestle on Dark Elevation. Shoddy Lee. Yeah. yeah. Or, or something stupid, you know. Or the baddies. Nobody gives a shit. But speaking of baddies, we got the nasty boys here making their way down yes, indeed. to the ring. With the mouth of the South Jimmy Hart.
0: Paula Abdul loved these types of guys. Nasty
1: boys, Oh, yeah. Huh? They nasty boy. You or nasty. Janet Jackson. Oh, was it Paul Abdul? Was that was Paula Abdul. No, I don't know. Maybe. That was Paula
0: Abdul. Or was Janet.
1: No, it was Janet. It was Janet. Let's Janet Google Janet. it so we can confirm <laughs> it so we don't look like idiots for our listeners. Even though we probably sound like idiots for our wrestlers. Um, nasty
0: boy. <laughs> um. Uh... This is going to be a uh, hard-hitting, fast-paced match, though. Uh, Starting it off really, really, really nice uh, with the Nasty Boys and the Rockers, man. Uh, One matchup that I always loved in WWF around this time, Hasbro Era.
1: The Hasbro Era. I liked it. I like how you're calling it the Hasbro Era. Um, I got a question for you. um, For sure. While we're on this subject here. I'm still looking for it. So is it Paul Abdul? I'm looking here right now Paul and Abdul is it nasty nasty boy yeah maybe no no it's Janet Jackson yeah nasty Nasty. yeah there you go all right look at you there we go. <laughs> um so I have a question to ask uh Absolutely. as we're watching this here um why did the why did the rockers breakup become the blueprint of tag team breakups for years to come w- what's your take on that
0: it wasn't the first breakup to happen in the history of wrestling. We both know with, that. A tag team. Um, yeah, yeah, with the tag team. Yeah. Yeah. With a tag team breaking mm-hmm. up. Um, but it was just done really well. And it was kind of like the guys were on the same caliper of like, you have who could go, who could go higher? Yeah. Marty or Sean, um, which one is it going to be at the top of the card? And it could be both of them. Yeah. Sometimes now we have we have tag teams that end up at the top of the card, mm-hmm. uh, both of them. Um, but I think it was just because the story told over a long period of time. When you go back to it, um, I think it was Marty kept getting pinned in matches or beat down a lot, mm-hmm. and they would have mishaps, yep. and then eventually there was a, a a fast forward of like conflict, and uh, then they kind of blew it off and then they lost another pivotal match and Sean just turned on uh, Marty. Mm-hmm. I think, I think then you could see who was hotter, but I'm trying to think of a tag team that was before this, that, that could have done it well. Cause they didn't, you know, they didn't do it frequently, but it was usually before back in the days, they would have a tag team, uh, two heavyweight, Guys that didn't really have a tag team just team up for a little bit and then they'd split mm-hmm. up. You know,
1: you saw that. More, These
0: guys were like,
1: you saw that. You saw that kind of kind of combination between like two megastars or two heavyweights as a team, more so in like Jim Crockett, NWA, WCW. You know, Nikita Koloff and Dusty Rhodes as the superpowers. You know, Lex Luger and Sting were another yeah. kind of like super team, so to speak. That, to, from what I recall. Uh, growing up as yeah, a yeah, and
0: WWF didn't really focus on the tag teams as like a, a main event so much. No. I mean, they had like they, they had like uh, the Moon Dogs, or you know, like uh, I guess you could say Tito Santana and Rick Martel was a good breakup too.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. I mean, but for me, I feel like <clears throat> though that the Rockers split up had set the tone for how other tag teams would be split up in the future, as well as the trajectory of each member of the team. You know, now it's they've coined the phrase like, well, he's the Marty Janetti of the tag team, you know, um, mm-hmm. which I think is unfair to Janetti because if Janetti hadn't gotten in, out of his own way and, you know, stayed on the straight and narrow, he probably would have, I wouldn't say he would have had as, as a successful career as Sean, but I think he would have done pretty well for himself on his own in a singles role, um, in the WWF at the very least, for at least a, you know at least a couple more years, um, because it, from what I recall, you you were right in the same wavelength that Sean and Marty had their issues on TV as as partners, and there was you know mishaps and matches that caused them to lose opportunities, but. There was also, that wasn't a focal point. That, yeah, that was the that was the main focal point. And Sean became cockier in those matches, too. Um, and mm-hmm. he was he, yes. he, you you taught you you started to see the personality of the heartbreak kid before he was the heartbreak kid come into play. as uh, so we're seeing some really fun hot action at the moment with uh, Sean and Marty double teaming, crowds really on their feet. Um, yeah. but there was also occurrences.
2: Come on, baby. Behind get the out.
1: scenes, that had that had <clears throat> transpired where you know they've been riding together. Sean had said it in his book.
0: They well, they've been a team since 1986, yeah, almost. They've been on the road, to, yeah.
1: They've been on the road together for so long. They started to grow apart, and there's mm. one particular incident where Sean just realized, like, okay, now I got to start doing things for myself here. And maybe it's time I, I I start looking at my career on a singles level. Um, the guys had done like a, like a weedy cereal box photo shoot of some kind. And I guess some guys got paid more than others to do it. And the Road Warriors being one of those teams. And Marty was not thrilled with that. And their contract was coming to a close. And Marty had decided, well, you know... We're not going to renew. Give us our release. We'll we'll, we'll do our, our our sixty or ninety days, and then we're going to WCW. Well, Sean was not aware of that. As a matter of fact, Sean rec- I
0: remember the story. Sean
1: tells Sean tells a story where he was on a payphone and he was talking to Vince on the road uh, regarding something, and Vince said, "You know, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that you're not going to you know be with us." That you're leaving, and he was like, "What are you talking about?" And he finds out the the you know the the instance where Marty told him they were done, and sh- that's when Sean was just like, "Yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta fix this for myself."
0: You know, I I, I gotta fix this,
1: Jack. And so yeah, <laughs> and uh, that was when he realized, all right, it's time to go our separate ways. And Marty wasn't in the plans originally when they split. They were just going to let Marty go, and that's how they kind of wrote him off with that barbershop angle. Um, but then, from what I read, from what I recall, um, Marty and Shawn was supposed to be a, a major match at WrestleMania Eight that year. Not long after yep. Shawn had turned, yep. that was that was the yeah. that was the rumor. So that Marty was going to go away and then come back and do WrestleMania. But for whatever reason, they couldn't come to an agreement or Marty didn't show up or whatever. But there'd been other instances where Marty had plenty of opportunities following that, Uh, especially in 93. He wrestled Sean at the Rumble. And I thought it was a good match. A lot of people don't think it was a great match, but I enjoyed the match. And Marty got fired because he fell asleep backstage. Uh, after after a, yeah there was after a night of partying and he got into an altercation with Sean on that uh, the night before yeah. in the hotel. in fact that's the story where I think they almost got arrested and Randy Savage fucking saved their ass by telling the cops no oh, they're practicing the wrestling match. It's part of the story huh? and the cops because it was <laughs> Randy Savage they 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 knew who he was he was a big star they let it go. And then I think that's when Marty got – I think Marty got fired after that match.
0: Yeah, there was – there's been some rumors that uh, Sean kind of called him out on that for being asleep in the locker room too. Um, I think
1: Ray Stevens was the one that caught him. Ray Stevens was working as an agent. The story I heard was that Ray Stevens caught him. Well,
0: there – Regardless, Shawn Michaels' agents stooging a lot of stuff going yeah, on yeah. for Power Control, and and these are the, these are the first hints of Shawn uh, becoming that '90s Shawn um, throughout this tag team with Marty, as we saw Egos Clash. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm looking at I'm looking at some of uh, Shawn's <clears throat> matches on Pro Fight Database. Yep. Did you know, leading leading up to WrestleMania Seven, he had a disqualification loss to uh, Mister Perfect? The Intercontinental title? In a singles match?
1: Uh leading up to WrestleMania Seven?
0: Yeah. No, I wasn't it was aware of that the was Road. That a to TV?
1: Was that a television or was, it was a, a live event?
0: Yeah, WW, WWF Primetime Wrestling, uh Road to WrestleMania seven, March eleventh, nineteen ninety one. Interesting. Uh, yeah. And then uh Marty and Sean would be on a, a a a heap of victories here. Taking out Kato and Tanaka, a bunch of jobber teams throughout the way. Barry Hardy, Dwayne Gill, to name a few. Mm-hmm. And then they would get crushed by Earthquake and Typhoon at the beginning of this month on a wrestling tape challenge. Yep. And uh, and now we're now we're seeing them going against uh, Knobs and Sag. So it seems like their uh, their tag team uh, can't can't handle the bigger guys. I f- as the way that they're writing. Yeah, I feel like the writing that-
1: I feel like during this time period, this is where they had too many tag teams and they didn't know what to do with them. Like
0: too many hot tag yeah, teams. You know,
1: the, during this era, Legion of Doom, Nasty Boys, Rockers, um, Power and Glory, uh, Natural Disasters, Bushwhackers. Uh, not long. Before this, there was the Hart Foundation, but they had split up, um, which was kind of done like very incognito. Brett went his way, and Anvil went his way, and they started doing different things, and they weren't a team on television. Uh, Yeah. But during this time period, they really only focused on – this is the time period where like, uh, they started to – Beverly Brothers. Yeah, Beverly Brothers were a part of – yeah, I remember that. Um, This is the time period where they started to – if they focused on tag teams, it was only because they were competing for the championship. Kind of like how it is now, and I've said this before. There's never been; it's been a long time since we've seen like teams compete against each other on on television and it not be just for a grudge. For a grudge, exactly. There's if you see a tag team R-O-H, on TV, it's
0: – ROH did that really well with the Briscoes. Uh-huh. They always kept them kind of at the top of the card. Yep um and facing uh some bigger names yeah. or a top tag team that comes in from a different company. Um yeah, WWF has never really been good at that.
1: No, you didn't see a team that had like a personal rivalry with another team over whatever the case may be not involving the championship. Um to the best that I can recall. Uh so, wow,
0: here he, uh, here's one Dave. Uh the dark match for Tuesday in Texas was uh, the Road Warriors against Marty Gennetti and Sean. Really? They beat them. for the Tigers. I never knew that. Yeah.
1: That's pretty cool.
0: Dece- December third, nineteen ninety
1: one. That is pretty cool. Did
0: not know that either.
1: Oh, I like that. That's pretty cool. Actually, um
0: I would have loved to see that match.
1: That would be interesting. And you here's another thing that Peacock does not do that the network was great at. Network had a hidden gem section. You'd find dark oh, yeah. matches and um Tryout matches and 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 di- all different kinds of matches on there that you had never seen before in their archive. Excuse me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, now Peacock,
1: they barely get enough. You know, they they don't have anything like that. They they've updated a lot of the library with with uh, these home video exclusives from the old Coliseum Video, but for the most part, like you don't see the the those real hidden gems that used to be on the network that that's, that's the, that's yeah. a big part that's missing.
0: Absolutely. I want it all. I want like matches like that are dark matches, like on the Plex. I got nefarious means here. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but the, the match directly before the battle Royal at Albert Hall is, um, actually the, uh, the, a match of, uh, Rick Flair and Roddy Piper. It's a dark match that goes about 10 minutes.
1: Flair and Piper wrestled on a dark match on the Albert Hall?
0: No, the the week before. Oh, okay. October 1st. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so a series of tapings, uh, I guess when they first introduced Rick, um, him and Piper were kind of the hot feud because um, Piper wanted to take him out. Mm-hmm. And this is that time where WWF was like, are we going with Piper? Or are we just, he? he's too old, or he's he's not the guy. You know, Piper was always like, uh, you know, one beat in WWF. Yeah. Which kind of sucks, yeah. right? I mean, he was... I don't know. He,
1: during this time, he... Uh, it, it, it's clear as day the intention for for, and we'll talk about... We'll talk about. Actually, no. Let's hold that. Let Let's hold that thought for the next match because Flair's going to be involved in the next okay. match. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the dark matches. That's. I would love to see some of that stuff come back on Peacock.
0: Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, Road Warriors yeah, Rockers Tuesday in
1: Texas. That would be pretty cool. Like the the dark match before right? Tuesday in Texas. That would be. And you know the 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 Tuesday in Texas. I bet you had
0: opened it up. I bet you had opened it up you know
1: yeah the, the 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 tuesday in texas um airing on on peacock on the the WWE peacock or whatever the fuck you want to call it uh, it only goes it's only like under 2 hours so it was like a sm- i want to say it's like roughly around 90 minutes that show um there's not that many matches on that card you if you go back and you look bret hart and skinner um i think davy boy and the warlord um what else is on there um, Hogan and Undertaker for the yeah, they- title. Jake and Randy Savage. I think like Repo Man and DiBiase against Virgil and and El Matador. Um, so I, I, it's it's a it's a it's a smaller event. It's not as big of a pay per view. It's actually a fun watch. It goes by pretty quickly. I've watched it before. It's actually a pretty fun watch. Maybe we'll do that sometime in the near future.
0: Who knows? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to see that. Again, um, one of the one of the hidden gems of the pay-per-views that's kind of slept on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that was like the first time they really experimented with a pay-per-view, you know, in Texas or on a Tuesday, I should say that just happened to be in Texas. But.
0: Wow, I'm looking at some uh, leading up to the split here of the guys and uh, they kind of had a couple matches in Japan when they went to Japan at the end of the year and then they split them up on the tapings. Of December of this year, correct? Uh, yeah, the rockers, yeah, and then uh, Shawn Michaels teams with the great Kabuki in January of 1992. I knew that, that's pretty interesting. In Wrestling and Romance, when they did a a brief uh, uh, WWF and collabed with uh, Wrestling and Romance, oh wow, actually, you get to see uh, you would get to see Bret Hart and uh, Macho Man Randy Savage, which is a match that's been covered in the archive. On um, Retromania by Jimmy and cool. I. Um, it's a fun watch-along. What year was that? Watch that? All right. 1992.
1: Bretton Savage? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I've seen pictures of it before. Um, yeah, yeah, that was when they did, like I said, like a... like a what was it? All Japan?
0: No, oh, Wrestling and Romance. And then oh, they war. did like an All Japan run too. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah,
1: Because I remember they had... They, I remember like Hogan and Stan Hansen, I think, wrestled in Japan... Um, oh, yeah. Like 1990. Several times. Um, Bret Hart and Tiger uh, Mask. I think,
0: yeah, Wrestle and Romance had, um, yeah, I think um, it. this also, the Wrestle and Romance also had um, uh, Hogan teaming with, uh, I think, Tenru against uh, the Road Warriors.
1: Was that that era or was that 93? I, I don't know.
0: That would might have been ninety three. I'm getting everything yeah. crossed up. But that don't was new don't Japan. listen to me now. Let's yeah, yeah. Let let's let's stay on track here. This is a lot of uh, double teaming going on. The referee is kind of a la Rick Knox of AEW at this point. That, Joey is, that is
1: Joey Morella. He is a legend. You don't you don't ever S-P. tarnish the good name of Joey Morella with and you with don't, Rick ever, Knox. don't ever Don't ex- ever
0: yeah, and don't ever accept the ride home from him.
1: Oh oh my god oh. Sorry. Oh, oh! You are the king Big of false finish. You yeah. are the king of tasteless, tasteless jokes. Like I don't know how I'm oh, still wow, doing Megapod. a podcast with you. Like that is sorry, sorry. Oh my goodness! You are that is the heels
0: get the victory here.
1: A little slide in there with the as Megapod. we always do. Yep. That was a fun match. That was definitely a fun yes, match it to was. watch. Back and forth. Crowd was really into it.
0: Little, like, 18-minute banger. Yeah. That was awesome. That was some classic uh, tag team stuff, too. Yep. Um, But, yeah, there you see uh, Marty taking the pin and Sean being like, what the hell happened? Yeah.
1: Pretty much. So, this, yeah, this this will continue the the issues. Although, you know, because... And if you notice this, too, they don't do it anymore. But if you notice this, um, when they used to run shows overseas... Um, they were just like glorified house shows with a camera especially those like UK exclusive pay-per-views they didn't really run um, they didn't really keep up with or or I should say facilitate the stories that you were seeing on American television as much Um, occasionally here and there like Davy Boy and Sean and and One Night Only in September of 97 that kind of um, was facilitated on American programming but for the most part Sorry
0: to cut you off. Do you want to get Rick here?
1: Um, yeah, how about you play you wanna play the audio or you want me to do it? Yep, yeah. You got and I
2: shut over now. Rick is the greatest wrestler alive today. The great man of all the great wrestlers all one problem. Roddy
0: Piper, you're here live tonight. And boy, you can run, but you can't hide. You know why? Because the
2: real world heavyweight champion is here to make sure you know firsthand that I'm the man now and ever. All right, confident, son of a gentleman,
0: he is my nature boy, Rick Blair. Gamilla Bobby, let's get back to you in an action packed crowd here at Royal Alpha Hall. El- what a sight to see, though. Just Ric Flair in WWF at that time with the gold belt, with Mean Gene in London. I mean, just this is like, well, you wow, know what? Let's talk, world to- about,
1: let's talk about that here for a minute because, you know, you've been a long time wrestling fan. What were your thoughts growing up seeing Ric Flair, who you had seen on NWA, WCW programming with the big gold belt, leader of the four horsemen come out on WWF television with that same title from another wrestling organization and challenge the current WWF champion Hulk Hogan at that time. What were your thoughts on just the whole, the the whole presentation of that?
0: So Dave, sorry to disappoint you, but um, I I, I briefly talked about this on the the most recent episode that I did with Jimmy and will. Okay. uh, As we talked about Bret Hart, um, Winning the WWF Championship marks, yep, from Rick Flair. I saw that. Yes, in uh, in October of 1992. But uh, on me. this going introduction going to do
1: other podcasts with other people. What's your problem? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh,
0: I prefer that. Um, hey, I I hear you. I hear you talking to Dennis all the time. Uh, I know.
1: I mean, we, we're double dipping on each other. That's just that's just yeah, how it yeah. is. But
0: that's that's how we get more content for the listeners. Exactly.
1: Though. Yeah. So Instead of just, um, so, just, just yeah, recycling I, I ourselves think... in both of our shows. <laughs> absolutely but go ahead continue. i think um
0: i i think like i wasn't aware of this renting the videos because i kind of had like a delay on the video rentals or watching it mm-hmm. at this time because i was i was younger um at this time i'm like five four or five so uh i'm renting tapes that are kind of retrospective so i saw everything a little bit after and then i figured out Nature, who Nature Boy was, Ric Flair, but I never liked the guy. I thought he was too old, and I thought his matches were boring. Um, and now, I mean, obviously, now I I see the 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 importance of it, but at the time, it it did not um didn't have as big of an effect. It did cro- It did not have a big as effect. Yeah, and I I think then maybe in nine ninety six I, I like watching tapes more and more. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Holy crap! Oh my gosh! Yeah. Rick Flair was in the the WWF with the championship." Yeah, and then I'd play with my toys and be like, "Title for title." Yep. you know, I always wanted to see a title for title thing. Yeah, what were your thoughts?
1: Well, I, I've I've talked about this before. I don't know if I've talked about it with you or on my show, but um, I didn't have many.
0: They hold up the big gold belt there too. I, yeah, and I didn't like, have like, many.
1: Like Friends that liked wrestling growing up as a kid. I had a couple, but they didn't go to my school. Same. So the kids that did watch at my school were all WWF. So when they saw Ric Flair come on TV and claim he was the real world's champion over Hulk Hogan, they didn't even know who he was. And then because I watched WWF. I watched NWA, which eventually become WCW. I would get the After Mags, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I would read those, and you would see those those dream match scenarios. Hulk, you know, Hogan versus Flair. Who would win? i would you saw plenty of those After Mags where they would cover the, that story, and it would be you know all in kayfabe. Flair would talk about like he was going to wrestle Hogan and vice versa. Um, and so I had these magazines, so that's how like I knew like a lot of these guys. Even though I watched the programming, so I would bring the magazines in, and I was—I wouldn't say I was the coolest kid out of the bunch, but they were asking me all the questions, like "Who's this Ric Flair?" And I'd be like, "Well, he's the leader of the Four Horsemen," it was him and Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard and Ole Anderson, and I would go on and on. And he, I, he brought the WCW belt to or the NWA belt to WWF, and you know that's the NWA World Heavyweight Title. He beat. Dusty Rhodes, and he beat Sting for that, and you know they're like, "Who's Sting? Who's Dusty Rhodes?" So like, it. I I was I guess given my wrestling friends in elementary school a wrestling education, I guess you could call it, because mm-hmm. I was able to watch all of that. So to me, as a youngster, that's probably the first dream match that I saw that that was that was going to come to life. Eventually, we wouldn't see it on a on a grand scale in the WWF. Because they claimed that it was, it didn't draw very well during this period of time. Um,
0: Hogan and Flair, you mean? Correct.
1: Yeah. So yeah. Um, I was really excited for the prospects of it because you know Ric Flair was a big deal. He was on the other channel. He was the man. He was the the top guy. He wrestled Dusty and Sting and leader of the Four Horsemen. And then, of course, then my 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 brain starts working in mysterious ways when it comes to wrestling and I'm throwing out all these scenarios in my head. Well maybe the four horsemen are gonna join the WWF. And it, it, like <laughs> Arn and Tully, they were there just two years prior, you know? They were in the WWF a couple years prior. Maybe we'll see Arn and Tully join him with Bobby Heenan as the manager, you know? And so um I was excited for it. I was excited to see him and it was it was one of those like like big like I felt like I was, as a kid, I felt like I was in on it in a way because I was a, because unlike many of my friends, they didn't know who he was. I did because I watched the other show and I read the magazines, the, the, the pro wrestling illustrates the after mags. So I felt,
0: yeah. Well, to your point, that kind of shows that WWF was just the, the, the commercial brand, the, it was the, the Disney. bigger brand that. Yeah. It was the Disney of, just, of, uh, of
1: wrestling. It still is
0: had a lot of casual fans yeah and it still is yeah i mean um, look, that that's pretty cool though hindsight coming you know uh hearing you retrospectively recall that at the time because and then the action figures
1: yeah, not, you know then you then uh, you more then you know i had the hasbros as well as the 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 wcw the Galoob's. Galoobs, yeah so i had a rick flair gloob and Same i had a hulk hogan hasbro and It was title for title like you, or it was, you know, WrestleMania 8, the big – because that's what everybody thought. Hogan and Flair, WrestleMania, who's the greatest. Those were the two biggest names in wrestling at that time on the opposite ends of the spectrum. So everybody thought that it was eventually going to meet. Now, I got a question for you here regarding that. You know, we're kind of moving ahead here as we're watching this this match, but why do you think, in your personal opinion – Honest truth, why do you think in your opinion we did not see Hogan and Flair at
0: WrestleMania 8? Ego and uh, something in Vince at that time was uh I think there was a lot of insight from outsiders at this time and they knew the that the match would be happening and something about Vince, he liked to like change it up around this time. I don't know if you noticed that, you know, and possibly, I I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you think? I think it's
1: a combination of things. I do think it wouldn't be surprised if there was some ego involved. I I won't rule that out, but I've never heard, I've never heard any stories of Hogan or Flair saying, well, I'm not doing the job for either. I've never heard that. And I, and they've both even said that in interviews when it, when this subject has come up, that it was never about, it was never about like who was going to beat who. That was never the issue from both of them.
0: Maybe Vince's ego. He didn't want uh, a guy from NWA Crockett being in the main event of his show.
1: Well, think. Let's think about it. Vince has always been a big proponent of taking a if he, if. He does take someone else's creation and puts him on his television. He alters them in Rick a way. Flair is
0: not his creation. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So I think that I, I I think that reason is one of many as to why we didn't see that. Is that he didn't want to spotlight Flair in a major role like that. But at the same time, he's also given in to certain things when he's had no choice, when it's been like an overwhelming um an obvious you know reason why he needs to use them and like when when the crowd reacts to a guy a certain way that he's not necessarily behind vince will use that individual you know to kind of appease the crowd even though he's not fully behind him daniel bryan being one of them um you know guys that he didn't really believe in at first uh mick foley another great example you know Man, the Mankind character was, yes, a creation of the WWF, but he didn't look at that as a a, a top guy that he was going to run with, and he eventually gave Mankind the belt. So, but I think I think he he realized the audience was familiar with Flair, so he had to put Flair in a set, like he had to put Flair in the title picture and in in and around that 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 area but at the same time he wasn't the guy. You know what I mean? Like Flair was in the middle of the card with Savage on WrestleMania 8. That wasn't main event. Main event was Hogan right. and Sid. Main event was the same That's formula saying, that yeah. Vince uses with that uh, Vince had used over the years with Hogan and the Monster.
0: Hogan and the Monster. Oh, but this is one of this is one of the first times in you know in a while where the the title was not involved with the main event though at a WrestleMania Correct. because I think I think because he he didn't make that guy Rick.
2: Yeah.
1: Now, like I said, he had no choice but to highlight Flair as the champion in that that manner because Flair was not only that good, but people people were familiar with him. It wasn't Flair didn't just come over from another company, and everybody in the WW, the the WWF, the majority of the WWF fan base wasn't aware of who he was. I'm a firm believer that. A majority of the fan base was familiar with who he was. But mm-hmm. the die there is a there is a small minority of of diehard casual fans that just watched the WWF that didn't know who he was. I'm I'm in the I'm of right. the believer that the majority of the WWF audience knew who Ric Flair was, whether it be watching the show or the magazines. So that kind of I think forced Vince to put Flair in the position that he did at this time. Even though he wasn't quite the Ric Flair, everybody knew. He didn't have the four horsemen. He wasn't the focal point of the show. I mean, he was at times, but they didn't fully run with him, if you know what I mean, even as champ.
0: Yeah. Um uh, And to your point, like, I, I didn't... Wow. He tried to get Tito with the legs. Uh And to your point, like, I... I was familiar with Ric Flair, but I didn't know like his matches or the history or the legacy of the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just one of those synonymous res- wrestling figures. Yeah, he, type of deal. Yeah, he's like, he, uh,
1: he was one of those guys where like you went to a person that didn't watch wrestling and you said, "Who's Ric Flair?" Just like the la- who's Hulk Hogan, and they'll be like, "Oh, it's that wrestling right. guy." Like Flair was one of right. those. Like even back then. Now, I, yep. I think that was a factor. I also think what was a factor was the 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 upcoming steroid trial mm-hmm. and Hogan being a, a a focal point of that for the government. And I don't think, I don't think Vince wanted to, I don't think Vince wanted to invest in Hogan and flair on a grand scale, especially if Hogan was, if especially if they had plans for him to leave. Now there's been all kinds of different theories out there that Hogan left because, he took a break because he was going to make movies. He, he was burnt out, which he had a long run back then. He went nonstop for, you know, eight, nine years. So mm-hmm. it, it, it could be very plausible that Hogan and Vince agreed, like, you know, what, I'm going to take a break for a little bit because, you know, I, we've been doing this thing pretty hard and the timing with the steroid trial. Um, now, putting Hogan Flair on without the title – At WrestleMania. I think they still could have done that. And. For sure. I I don't think. I don't think a Hogan victory. With him on the way out the door. Would have done anything to hurt Flair. Because Flair was still that good. And.
0: Yeah he could have carried on feuds too. Yeah. After that.
1: I mean Flair. I mean if you think about it. Flair did. Flair carried on the the rivalry with Savage. um, Following that WrestleMania. Into the spring. Uh, even when they the funny thing is when they bet on Warrior and Sid as being the, the 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 main rivalry coming out of that WrestleMania that was probably going to be a featured match at that SummerSlam later that year. And look what happened. Sid quit a month later. And then a few months after yep. that, Warrior got fired for popping popping hot for steroids. So yeah. it was like the writing was on the wall in many ways. When it came to the steroid, when it when it comes to the steroid trials, to who they needed to go with and who you know, who needed to go away. So I don't find it hard to believe that Hulk and Vince went to each other and said, "Hey, let's let's take a break for a little bit." Why don't you
0: take some? Hey, pal, listen. uh, After this, uh, after this, this this assistant here is done sucking my cock. um, (laughs) You take you take a little time off, pal. Pretty much, I think I think they they definitely had an agreement. There was a lot of stuff going on around that time that that just like you said, it was too convenient. And uh, in hindsight, definitely looking back, you're like, okay, well, they were getting rid of the uh, the roids.
1: Like for instance, like I have I, heard a lot of them. i heard a lot of times they've said, and Flair even Flair even has, has said this in interviews and on his podcast that he finds it hard to believe that they didn't draw well in New York. Like in a big market, like Hogan and Hogan and Flair wrestled in the Garden, and the excuse that it's always been said was, "Well, they didn't draw well on the house shows, that's why they didn't do it at WrestleMania." Mm-hmm. Now, New York is a New York is a hot market, and New York wrestling fans are smart. I find it hard to believe that they didn't want to see Flair and Hogan in the Garden. Now, I could go look at numbers and see what the attendance was, if I but. I, th- I think there was a lot of contributing factors that led to Flair and Hogan not taking place at WrestleMania. Hogan leaving steroid trial, um, and at the same time, if you did put Hogan and Flair on for the title, and Hogan was to leave at that time, they didn't want a heel walking out of WrestleMania as the champion. They didn't so, and Flair wasn't Vince's creation. So there's there's a lot of different yeah. things that I think that led to that. I don't think it's just one thing. I think it's multiple that just have kind of like spiraled and um and it's and it's I definitely think it's a missed opportunity. In fact, actually that question was asked on Pritchard's podcast recently, uh if it was a missed opportunity um between Hogan and Flair at WrestleMania 8, even though they had great matches in WCW following that.
0: Yeah. Um I just I think it was a definitely a missed opportunity. Do you think you ever heard the rumor about Tito being on the list? Of I've heard that potential champion. I
1: wanted to talk to you about that. Actually, I'm glad you brought that what up. What do you
0: think after after kind of watching this with Ric Flair?
1: Um, you know, you talk about in hindsight, do you, you, you think that? are you asking Just watching this now. Watch do you think he's
0: he's like the caliber of a of a contender for a champion or a defending champion.
1: I think Tito Santana should have should have gotten more in this era.
0: Like he was he was He could have been a great intercontinental champion well, yeah. again. yeah. And and I go back Cause to, He already was.
1: I go back to that match he had with Mr. Perfect on Saturday Night's Main Event in July of 1990. That was it's that's probably my favorite Tito Santana match of all time. You have to go back and watch that match. It is unbelievable.
0: Haven't seen it in a while.
1: Yeah, it is a classic. It's and it's on TV, free TV. It was the main event of that Saturday night's main event. September or July of 1990, excuse me. Hmm. Um, and that was just a month before Perfect lost the title to Kerry Von Erich, Texas Tornado. Uh, and after watching that match... Just recently, within the last couple of years, I thought to myself, "Well, damn, why didn't they run Tito and Perfect back again at, at SummerSlam? That was a hot match. Like that would have been a good match at SummerSlam because originally it was supposed to be Perfect and Beefcake at that SummerSlam, oh, yeah. and Beefcake B- Beefcake had the, the the boating accident. He was he was hospitalized, and he, they thought he was never going to wrestle again. Which I'm sure a lot of but people then- a lot of people hoped that would be the case, but um
0: but then Hulk Hogan pumped himself into him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, something brother.
0: <laughs> yeah. But um Um I, I think Tito I think Tito definitely could have had a strong intercontinental run here yes. and then like wrestled with guys like Sean. Yeah. Sean Brett. Um, uh, you know, eventually then Razor and one, two, three. He could have been competing still. Rip just grabbing the tights. Uh yeah.
1: Nice finish there, great match. Yeah. another great match, though. Yeah. You know, second match on this card. They're, they're they're coming in hot. Am
0: I, am I a little ahead of you?
1: You might be a little bit, but that's all right. I can I'm I can manage. Pause
0: one, two, three, four, five. Here we go. We got Ric Flair outside of the ring. Correct. Yeah. Oh yeah. now we're now we're getting a replay.
1: Uh, yeah. Just yeah. Just right now. That's fine. We're good. We're good. A couple okay. seconds behind. No big deal. I'm not. I'm not. Okay. I'm not too concerned about. But it. But yeah,
0: I, I, I like the match. Nice little old school finish there too.
1: Yep. Saw his cornhole.
0: Um, the he Yeah, I know. We've really saw like more than they yeah. show of the divas. <laughs> Jeez, Tito Arriba. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I like how I like how the ref held up the belt at the beginning of the match too, and then um, uh, Flair had you know the belt after like he defended it almost. Yeah. Yeah, do you do you want to get the boss man here, Mister Bossman? Mister
1: Bossman, uh, let me. You know what? Actually, no, no, I, I don't want to get it here because I got to adjust my settings. Okay. I don't want to do that right now. Um, okay, but we can we can get another interview to, at a at a later point here. Um,
0: sure, I can I can always cue it in. Uh, that's what I was just I I was asking if you wanted me to do it.
1: Oh, oh, okay, yeah. I mean, you could if you want. Yeah, yeah go for it. Yeah, play
0: it. He's probably almost done now.
1: Yeah. You know, it's ironic. Pounds, piece of trash. Tonight,
0: boy, the Big Boss Man is going to take out the trash. And when I get through doing that, I'm going to celebrate, Big And you know how I'm going celebrate. I'm going to give you trophy right here. Thank you very much, Big Boss
1: Man. That happens to be the Royal Samovar
0: Trophy. Samovar Trophy. Okay, sorry. Go ahead.
1: You know, it's like, I, I, Big Boss Man was one of my favorites as a kid. Um, and I thought that with the nightstick and the cuffs, I was like, you know, like, Oh, he's pretty cool. You know, like, even when, like, even when he was feuding with Hogan as a bad guy, like the handcuff thing and the nightstick and just the vignettes with him, like walking through the prison and stuff. I was like, I was like, Oh wow, this is pretty cool. And, um, it's kind of ironic. Now that I look back on it, like as a kid, I didn't know what a corrections officer was. I thought that was a police officer, you know? And granted, corrections is law enforcement. And it's ironic now. I'm, in, I'm a corrections officer. Um, you are
0: the boss, man.
1: Well, I mean, sometimes I am um, when I have to be. But it's just ironic that, like, how things lead you in life, you know? Like, I used to love Boss Man as a kid. When I was young, I thought he was one of the coolest things ever, even as a bad guy, um, when he was beating up on Hogan. And now I'm a corrections officer, and um, we don't carry nightsticks, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, it's a much different corrections than it was years ago, but we do we, we do carry cuffs, but no nightstick. Um, yeah, I just thought that was uh, rather interesting, that my affinity for him as a kid, and now I'm a corrections officer. Um, and I didn't know the, the difference between the two when I was younger. I thought it was the same. I thought they were one and the same. Um, wow! So
0: that's pretty cool. I uh, I mean, kind of like okay. I liked Bret Hart, so I'm I'm bitter and I'm cold. I'm hurt. I'm old and I'm fucking tired. Uh, <laughs> and I work with fucking children.
1: <laughs> you work with one child that you produced, pal. I know, I'm kidding. <laughs> ah, she's great. Oh, yeah. But, yeah,
0: um, that that's pretty cool. Oh, man, Earthquake. At this time, he is over like Rover.
1: I, I still don't understand how he went from being this killer, at least in my mind, that almost ended Hulkamania, to they put him in a tag team.
0: With Typhoon, with Dino, at, or, oh yeah, yeah, Typhoon. Well, like then, the other, th- the other thing too that that baffles me is, that... and then all of a sudden they just kind of flipped. They like they didn't even really have a face turn, did they?
1: They did, they did. Okay. They were, uh, what's it? Um, what was it? Uh, well, D- Jimmy Hart He he, he, man- he started managing oh, DiBiase right. and IRS. Um it helped you. them. For the, the money, baby. Yeah, beat the beat the champions, uh Legion of Doom at the time.
0: They were better as heels. Them as faces was just like them like squatting, going back and forth like side to side, like they were like I don't know.
1: Yeah, I didn't like their baby face. Uh, but, their
0: their baby yeah, face, right? They were just like was, hugging each other constantly and just Uncle Fred and <laughs> the sumo guy. The white sumo guy. You know he had to cover his tattoos when he did the sumo stuff in Japan. I
1: heard about that.
0: Because at, at the time they didn't really allow uh tattoos. It's still kind of a looked down upon yeah. in Japanese culture. It's 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 getting more open and open. They're they're um, more but,
1: yeah. open to the idea. Yeah, but I'm just baffled is, uh, that like he wasn't like Earthquake, like I say, went from being like this monster, you know, they almost killed Hulkamania to then WrestleMania seventies beating great. Lower mid card. Yeah. Like yeah, how do you go lower from mid like, card. the headliner at SummerSlam, even at Survivor Series, to the 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 guy that Hogan eliminates in the Royal Rumble that year, to then working the you know jerking the curtain in the fourth match on the card? Like I don't, well, he got
0: he got fed he got fed to Ultimate Warrior too, correct?
1: I I don't think they had anything significant on TV. I'm sure that they worked like the house show circuit. Like I was, I honestly thought that. Earthquake and Warrior as a kid was going to be the next logical step after Hogan beat Earthquake. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I thought that Warrior was, you know, Warrior went through Rude, and then Warrior kind of had that brief run where he tagged with the Legion of Doom against all three Demolition, and I thought, like, oh, Earthquake will try and go after Warrior for the title. And that never really happened. And then Warrior would drop the belt to slaughter at at Royal Rumble in 91. And then, like I said, Earthquake wrestled Greg the Hammer Valentine at WrestleMania 7. And it was a nothing match. No kind of build-up. And here's another thing, too, that that, baffled me about Earthquake. Being such a large, agile big man, it surprises me that they didn't put him in there with Undertaker because Undertaker got fed a lot of stiffs over the years between King Kong Bundy and Giant Gonzales. Um, you could even make a case for Kamala. You know, they put him in there with a lot of big guys. But for for earthquake size, he was able to move around and he was in and I felt like he had credibility. You put him in there with someone like Undertaker who was killing all the giants in the in the New Generation era. It just surprises me that they didn't they didn't have those two hook it up at one point.
0: That's not, that's not, that's not bad. They might've run that on the house show circuit, but yeah, that, that's a good, that's a good take,
1: you know, cause um, uh, why not? I mean, he, he was wrestling all the, he was wrestling all the stiffs, Mr. Hughes, yeah. you know, like all these big yeah. guys. And I mean, maybe they just, maybe it was a, maybe it was presented to him and he was like, I'm done wrestling the big dudes.
0: Who knows? Nice little sequence there though, by these horses. Yeah. Um, and these guys would tangle it up later in WCW.
1: Yes. Earthquake was the avalanche. Um, mm-hmm. And then eventually he was the shark. And then he yep. shaved half of his head he off. Would just be John, John, yeah, Tenta. John Tenta. Yes.
0: Nice stuff there.
1: Boss man grabbing a hold of Jimmy Hart's coat. Crowd got it. Big reaction out of that.
0: Just trying to see if Undertaker and uh, Earthquake ever did square up around this time. Mm -hmm. Undertaker defeated Tugboat, lead up to WrestleMania 7.
1: Okay, that makes sense.
0: Um, Also, looking here, wow. Um, Undertaker beat Animal in The King of the Ring... Uh, 1991.
1: Pendle. Oh, wow. Yeah. Where was that?
0: That was... King of the Ring 1991, September 7th, Province Center, Rhode Island.
1: Okay. Brett won that, right?
0: Brett beat Pete Daughtry, then he beat Skinner, and then he beat Erwin R. Scheister to win. Oh, wow. King of the Ring. Okay. Yep. Undertaker beat Animal, and then he went on to a double disqualification against Sid Justice in five minutes.
1: Undertaker and Sid.
0: Yep. Okay. So they were they were building it up then, but they did a double DQ to uh, keep the guys kind of safe. Let me see nineteen ninety, just in case. I want to see if these guys squared off, but uh, but yeah, uh. N- all these matches are pretty lengthy here on this Coliseum classic. Correct.
1: This, this show in particular. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is like, well, it's a full blown pay-per-view.
0: Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I I, I like that quality here. Uh, It's not like the normal um, Coliseum classics that kind of just fast forward. And then we get a lot of uh, talking in between in between
1: stuff. Yeah. This surprise. You want to hear how long this match goes? Earthquake and big boss man goes fifteen minutes and forty seven seconds. Not what I would expect for a for, for two guys of this size. Not saying that they're like you said, it's a good haas match, but for fifteen minutes. Yeah. That's no thanks. yeah.
0: I mean yeah. Does that include um, entrances? Look <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, UK Rampage did have Sid Justice and Undertaker. I do remember uh, that. They did they did tour around with that uh, at the beginning of '92, uh, leading up to WrestleMania, and uh, they even did a casket slash body bag match.
1: Yes, I do remember the body bag matches. That was a thing um,
0: that led up to the casket matches.
1: Yeah, like well, if you remember the angle, it was
0: Ultimate Warrior.
1: Yes. When Undertaker locked him in the casket, yep. which,
0: they,
2: as a kid, they I thought that two, was so they real. They did
0: two casket matches Yeah. after they did a body bag match. So they did a body bag match, and then they did two casket matches. Oh, wow. Pretty good stuff. Yeah. And then he did a a, a couple casket matches uh, with Sid, or a body bag match, and then a casket match with Sid, and then they held it off, and then they brought it back with Kamala.
1: Yes, I do remember that when, and that was when, they used the wooden coffin, and like Undertaker had to like literally put the nails in the coffin to shut the door.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: It wasn't like you just shut the door. Hell and of an a name Hell
0: of an aim with the hammer and nails too. <laughs> I know, right? Seriously, he, you know, it takes a little bit, but he was like leaving the nails in and like swinging like big swing. Look how loose the ropes are here.
1: Let me see here. Um, it's crazy what, the way they sh- they just, shake, or like when the guys like run up against the ropes.
0: Just the uh, the elasticity, the elasticity, the elasticity, the alask- What's the how do I say that? The elasticity of the uh, the lengthiness, like how much they drape. But uh, well, you also at now. the same
1: time you're looking at earthquake. He's you know almost four hundred pounds. True, but.
0: True, but I feel like even so, the the ropes don't shake or 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 give that much in uh, modern day WWE rings, even mm-hmm. though they use the ropes still.
1: Yeah, which a lot of people have said that the I mean the ropes they that they're far worse than the cables because of the um, because of the burn. You know, yeah, all I this is I tape over I, those ropes.
0: Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't give you an answer to that yet. But maybe in a couple of weeks, I'll give you an answer of the difference between ropes and cables.
1: Oh, what's what do you got going on? Why don't you spill the beans, there, buddy?
0: I have been training for wrestling.
1: Really? Um, this is, yeah. and This is no bullshit. You've not told me this in private. This is so I'm, I'm learning this right now. You, uh, you, yeah. So um, you been working me?
0: I will have. <laughs> no. I did my first uh session last weekend with Renaissance Rumble, uh, a group in Maryland, uh much t- akin to the theater version, uh two guys that have background in theater and then have also uh been trained through uh the Chikara system and Mike Quackenbush, uh Orange Cassidy as well. Mm. Um uh, uh Joey Ibanez and Mike, I forget his last name, but, uh, forgive me for that, uh, but, uh, I'll detail some more. I'm going to be do documenting, but, uh, to give you a brief run through, I I've done wrestling training with them and, uh, I'm going to continue on my journey. And, uh, right now we're starting slow, taking bumps, learning how to exercise and condition our bodies for things. Um, it's a lot going into it. Um, it makes me respect wrestling a lot more. Um, just taking one bump, you can, you can hurt yourself really bad. Yes. Um, so it is, it is really, truly an art form. Um, and, uh, uh that being said, it, it's going to be a long road continuing on. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I think, I, I think it'll be fun to, uh, continue this journey. I just, I just want to be safe. And, uh, it, it, it is a, it is a, strenuous process so let me say so
1: let way. me ask you what prompted you to 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 do this i've
0: always loved wrestling uh, i've uh i've done backyard wrestling before mm-hmm. when i was younger um and that was always a thrill i did um amateur wrestling when i was in middle school that was always fun mm-hmm. um and i love acting and and having like a a persona and uh kind of the kickoff of this whole podcast uh Retromania was uh me uh me getting back into wrestling big time with uh we did a, a couple shows with some friends like like outlaw backyard stuff but mm-hmm. in a bar yep and in front of a lot of people mm-hmm. um and we drew a lot of uh people and and money you drew and, a big uh, house and, huh
1: look at you yeah we did Look at you. yeah Cake and baby. uh
0: and it was really fun but <laughs> it, it was not it was not the right way to do things yeah and it wasn't the right process to learn mm-hmm. um and some of us got hurt too like really bad yeah uh concussion uh broken a broken ankle um yeah like uh so now doing this uh, it has made me more humble and uh, respect wrestling a lot more um and i just i i think the process of of how I've, I'm gonna learn here is uh, a lot more welcoming than some uh, training facilities might be, you know, used to. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's gonna be a slower process, but also uh, a, a much more uh, enjoyable, less uh, stressful process uh, than uh, than most wrestling camps. Mm-hmm.
1: Now. If, are you doing this as like a hobby like something fun or like you trying to make a serious go of it? Like you want to get noticed eventually? Like what's like, what's your end game? And also what is, uh, what is, what is Mrs. What does the Mrs. think of this? If you don't mind, she me asking. wants
0: me to do it. She wants me to do it. Uh, she just wants me to be safe. Yeah. Um, as you, as you know, I am getting over a foot injury. Yeah. Uh, that kept, that kept me out for three months. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I tore a Liz Frank ligament and, uh, got that all going good and I'm uh-huh. in physical therapy as well. So I'm, I'm working out and training more, but, uh, yeah, I think she, she knows that I'm passionate about it. Uh-huh. And I, you know, I like in my free time, I watch wrestling. Uh, we do this podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. when there's new wrestling on, I'm watching wrestling. Wrestling is a lot of my life Yeah, same. for, for, uh, and I love the industry. I want to be involved in the industry somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this is a good way for me to get involved. Okay. Um, well, that's pretty cool. To at least even, even if I'm working a camera, even if I'm doing some, uh, some digital stuff after, even yeah. if I'm helping writing or, uh, you know, uh, helping people work and train with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to be a part of the business. Yeah. If that, if that, if that makes any sense, Oh, that's, that's... just always been a goal. And I might, and I might, you know, I might come out of it being like, well, that was not what I thought, or not what I I thought I loved. But I, I don't know. It's it's called me for a long time, so I think uh, I think it's time to to commit to it and see where it goes.
1: Good for you, man. That's that's really cool. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm happy for you. And, you know, you you have my support and hundred percent. Don't forget, you. you know, where you came from too when you. When you do make it big, and you know, I'll, I'll give you my address for tickets, um, or you know, just just call me and I'll 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 be there in a heartbeat to uh, you know backstage pass the the whole nine yards. Um, but no, that's that's really cool, and 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 it, it's more than I could say for you know when it comes to to my fandom because the the, the reoccurring theme in in my life up until a few years ago was, you know, I was always afraid to make a big move and take a big step in my life in order to further better myself and take chances on things that I like. And I never took a chance on trying to be involved in wrestling. I did, a, I helped set up the ring once for, you know, not once, but for a couple of years for an independent group out of Connecticut. And I wanted to be more involved in the writing um, and the, the the creative aspect of it. And, um. I didn't really get that opportunity or just, you know, timing schedule wise and things like that. And, you know, then life happens and, you know, things, things go on yeah. and shit like that. So, um, but I wish that I had at least taken a chance, um, at a younger age, I'm going to be 40 in January. So, um, I think that, yeah, that and I'm ship is sailed for me, but uh, I, th- I think it's great that at your at, you're 35, right? 34, 35.
0: I'll be 35 this month. Okay,
1: yeah. 30, so you'll be 35 this month. So at 35, you're making a go of it. I think it's pretty cool. Um, you know, sky's the limit, I think, when it comes to if, – if, if you believe it and you are, you're passionate about it, then, you know, more power to you. Um, man, that That's pretty cool because I, I, I didn't – I should have tried it at the very least when I was younger, I should have, when I was in a period where all I was doing was drinking and partying and being stupid and chasing women and watching wrestling, I probably should have at least tried it. Um, I wouldn't say that's a regret. Well, yeah,
0: I have, the, I had that feeling too, you know, I'm 35. So it's like, yeah, you, you got to try at some point, I think. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know how it'll, how it'll end up. I'm not going to say, you know, Oh,
1: my best advice to you is embrace the process, sorry, I lost everything, it everything that comes I'm along l- with it. That's the best thing that yeah. I can that I can tell you. You know, don't have any expectations, good or yeah. bad, and just kind of embrace it and 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 enjoy it. Enjoy the process at the same time too. So this match yeah, ended here. Earthquake for- with a little outside interference from the bounty. Um
0: yeah, we got cop first cop stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I
1: know, right? <laughs> you stupid!
0: <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't in- introduce like a uh, a British cop at Royal Albert what, Hall. What, some guy with like a referred? billy club. Are those
1: referred to as bobbies? Is that how they call bobbies? Oh yeah, I'm gonna Google it right now. I want to say that's what they refer to him as. The, the, that that is a
0: nice little cup there. You could fill that with so much crack <laughs> <laughs> bulldog <clears throat> sorry
1: oh my goodness let me all right so let me look wow. this up here um name of british police if I, my fat fingers can type this properly jesus christ
0: um oh let's give some uh details from they're called
1: Bobbies. Yes, they are. See, I knew that. I I am a smart man. Um,
0: like Here we, we go. Kerry Von Eric. They'll win this gigantic battle,
1: battle and all going thrill that beat. That's right, Gene. You no, know, this is the toughest match. Toughest match in World Wrestling Federation. Cut off. This is for all the bragging rights. And the winner of this match will be the king of the mountain. And I'll tell you what, I'm from the
0: fire, and I'm not on
1: Good point out it's every man for himself. However, you've got an appointment here a moment from now with another superstar called the Mountie from Canada. That's right. You know, the Mountie's tough, but he's got that stick to stand. But we step in that square circle. You won't have that stick, brother. It's you and me. All right. Thank you very much, folks. The action. Fast, furious,
2: the Battle royal. Another tremendous look at my Well, uh,
0: Kerry Von Eric there.
1: Did you know that time. Kerry Von almost signed a deal with WCW in 1990? Really? Yeah. He was I um, could see
0: him being I could see him being top of the card over there.
1: He was um I guess he went to um he made it he 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 met with WCW officials at a Clash of Champions, I believe in May or June of that year. Maybe it was June. I don't remember. And he had verbally agreed to some kind of some kind of deal and not long after that then the WWF scooped him up and he ended up um on on you know the WWF programming and was right out of the shoot won the intercontinental title but um yeah it's funny cuz i his WWF run obviously wasn't you know what many expected of him um, you know, marred in controversy with his drug use and things like that. Even though he had a pretty classic moment winning the Intercontinental title for Mister Perfect, and then even the stuff he did with Ted DiBiase when DiBiase helped Perfect win the belt back, and um, Perfect bought the services of DiBiase and Virgil, if 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 you if if, uh, if I recall, but um, yeah, it would have been interesting to see Kerry Von Erich in WCW. As like an ally to Sting, opposing the Four Horsemen at that time, because absolutely that was that was U.S. During champion a, too. Yeah, like I think Kerry Von Erich probably would have had a better opportunity in WCW at that time to be probably be the second or third top babyface. Um,
0: Schedule would have been lighter, so he probably wouldn't have uh, abused as many drugs. Maybe yeah, who hopefully. knows?
1: Who knows? I mean. Can't I mean I I can't speculate there, but that would have been a more, much more interesting prospect for him because I think there would have been guys that would have complemented his style better um, in in, yeah. in WCW. Flair, Arn sure. Anderson, you know, um, Sting, Barry Windom, you know, Barry Windom, uh, Dustin Rhodes, yeah, Steve Austin, go, yeah, the list goes on. Brian yeah. Pillman, yep, I mean, Midnight Express were were there. Freebirds were there, you know um yeah are you are
0: you excited are you excited for the iron claw movie
1: so i i've i've i haven't paid too much attention to it but zach efron is gonna have the lead role in that if i'm not mistaken
0: he's gonna be kevin
1: he's gonna be kevin Vineric, okay yeah i i I, believe so now is it gonna be like a, a streaming deal or is it gonna be straight to the theaters like what's well, it's
0: what's... A24 Productions. They usually uh, do stuff in theaters, but uh, who knows at this point. Uh, it's it's still in pre-production, so mm-hmm. hopefully it'll get off the ground, but it looks like a lot more people are getting serious and joining up about it. Um, I mean, Zac Efron's a big Eric. name in, in, the, in, the,
1: in the movie world, so... Uh,
0: yeah, and <clears throat> him and Rock have worked together, too. I could even see Seven Bucks Productions kind of getting involved eventually. If they wanted to.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, they they currently got their hands full with the XFL as well as um, this Tales from the Territory. From the terri- I didn't see that yet. The, I think the the most recent one. The first just, one was Memphis. You, yes. Did you watch it?
0: Yes, I did. How uh, was it? Pretty good stuff. It was? It's just it's just like a round table. It's it's, it's reminiscent of the uh, WWE classics where they do the round table. I used to love those. Uh, I
1: thought those were pretty good. That's yeah. something they should bring back.
0: Yeah, they uh they add a little bit more um they can talk a little bit more about stuff uh cuz they they don't have to sugarcoat so much uh yeah. for WWE sake. Um they add a lot of uh very like graphic um uh, reenactments. Yes. Uh so you can just watch along uh which is pretty cool. They do a Macho Man story at the end of the Memphis one. Um they do uh, a lot of stories about um, Jerry Jarrett and, uh, huh? and Jerry Lawler, and Jimmy Hart is present there. Okay, he doesn't talk too much. He he has two stories, but uh, he is the star of this show <laughs> on Royal Albert Hall.
1: I'm sure huh? that I'm sure he- that Jimmy. I'm sure that the uh, the now the, the each episodes from about different territories. Correct, if I'm not mistaken.
0: So they had enough information for the Memphis one to continue. For the next one's going to be about Jerry Lawler and, um, oh my God, Andy what's Kaufman What's his name? Andy Kaufman. Yeah, I was Solar. just going
1: to ask that they have to cover that, right? Yeah. Okay.
0: So that's just going to be done by an episode by itself.
1: All right, that's good. Um,
0: been... And I think might might sprinkle in a couple more Memphis stories, but the first one was just solely Memphis, and then so I once from interviewed.
1: There I once interviewed Bill Apter years ago during my, Really? Yeah, when I was when I was on the Ken Reedy show. Ken and I both
0: interviewed Bill Aptor And Very cool. Hey, yeah. do you ever, do you have like those that content at all? I don't that's have kind a of content. Your content. No, that's, if you if you
1: Well, it was it was produ- it was produced on uh, with with Ken's equipment and he, his link. I was just gotcha. the co-host that got patched in through the through the phone line, but I mean, I gotcha. I I think if I'm not mistaken, I think it's still up in the archives um, on iTunes. If you search the Ken Reedy show, I'll, I'll I'll look for it and maybe send it to you. But so I interviewed After once, and After told the story about um, about how Lawler and Kaufman met, and him and Lawler were I think were he tells a story where. Was it Lawler? or Was it Kaufman? I forget who he was with. One of the two, like I think it was with Kaufman, he was with one of the two on a train on, in New York City, like a subway. It was like late at night, and the the conversation sparked about Andy get wanting to get involved in the wrestling business, and after gave Kaufman Lawler's number, and that's how things materialized. Because Kaufman was such a big fan, I'm sure that this episode that's coming up of that Tales from the Territory will explain. They might
0: that. talk. They might discuss it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. A lot of stuff went into that. I mean, everybody thought like, I mean, even after Kaufman passed, Jerry Lawler was like, I didn't really like the guy. I mean, it's like they they kept it they kept it really really snug in kayfabe in Memphis. People thought it was real, and some of the stuff was real. One of the Stories that they told on the Memphis one was a uh, uh, Jerry Jarrett ripping out uh, the eye of a, of another wrestler.
1: Really? Yeah, true I'll story. have to go back and watch it. I think it's on Hulu, yeah. right? My my, it's wife, on Vice. my wife my wife has yeah. We don't have. I have YouTube TV. They, they, they actually
0: have, have they 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 post the free episode on YouTube.
1: Oh, really? Okay. See, yeah, I, so I have watched um, the first one. Okay, so I have YouTube TV. Doesn't have Vice, but. My wife has um, uh, the Disney-Hulu bundle because she watches one show, so she's got to get the whole fucking thing. Um, <laughs> she watches – they move Dancing with the Stars from ABC to Disney+. Plus, So she was like, oh, got to get Disney+. Plus. And then she watches the Kardashians, which is on Hulu. So she's like, oh, I'll just get the bundle. So yeah, she's like, and then you can watch hey, your sports you- on ESPN. And I'm like, okay, whatever. But you're going to cancel it once the season's over. So.
0: while we're on the subject of bundling things and uh merging companies and packages and mm-hmm. things what are your thoughts of uh NBC and uh, uh Disney and all them kind of maybe taking over Discovery and uh, which is like AEW Well di- well so
1: di- Disney owns ABC and and um ESPN so Disney's not uh, I've not heard anything about Disney um being involved in that I heard that NBC could potentially... NBC, Universal, Comcast, or Xfinity, whatever they call themselves, they could potentially buy out Warner Warner Brothers, Warner Discovery, which is the new... That's what it is, yeah. Because um, that, that Discovery and Time Warner merged. Um, there's a lot of different streaming services that are going to cease to exist once they put this new one up. Uh, HBO Max, I think, is done in like a year or so um so they're going to like bundle everything together again uh with with Warner Discovery but um NBC buying out um Warner they from what i read a, a a deal cannot be made or cannot be discussed and put together until 2024 sometime because of the of the the particulars of the new merger that took place with Warner and discovery time Warner and discovery. So you got a few years for that, but, um, I mean, that would be huge. Uh, it'd be like a, that, that'd be a borderline monopoly. If you think about it, even though yeah. CBS and Paramount are, are big organization, Disney, ABC are a big organization. Um, that'd be a borderline, uh, uh, mer- uh monopoly if you ask me, but, um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, TV's always changing, evolving with the streaming and things like that. And so, um, who knows? Um, the one thing we haven't seen, especially when it comes to wrestling and streaming, is a standalone, weekly, episodic wrestling show on streaming exclusive only.
0: Like, it used to be with NXT. Well,
1: NXT, but they were under the WWE umbrella. But like, Correct. Uh, uh, you, you had more than just NXT, and you could you know what i mean now you don't really have that and i'm so well actually i, I i'm lying cuz you have the nwa they're on fight if i'm if well, i'm correct right yeah
0: uh, honor honor club used to have exclusive things but i'm talking
1: cool. about like a weekly um, episodic like that's the main oh. show that's it you know um, what i mean
0: yeah they 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 did introduce like a weekly like
1: uh, i guess
0: it was like a training show, or like a the new the newcomers type of show. Who's this NWA? Uh, yeah, ROH. Oh, ROH. Okay. Um, but yeah, I I I agree. I think yeah, maybe like, yeah, it it AEW could have had like their own streaming service right now, and then put more effort into Rampage, like have Rampage be a streaming show on Friday, and then it it it's you know. Yeah, I, I, airs it airs airs Friday, and then you can stream it after it airs. The funny thing is, I, you
1: know? I I liked the the concept of Dark at first when AEW first started producing programming where they had like two or three big matches that they would tape before and after Dynamite, and like you could watch that on YouTube on Dark. And then they yeah. like added dark elevation, which is like exclusive to YouTube, and then now ramp, like they've I've said it before, they've grown, they're way too big. It's, got, it's gotten weight there's too much going on, you know. I feel like Dynamite has kind of lost its, its steam a little bit uh, in recent months. Um, way
0: too much going on. And
1: incorrect. I thought getting a second show for an hour on Friday nights and rampage the time slot sucks but that's what they had that's what they were given um try to establish dynamite more before you put rampage not not sign every fucking indie wrestler that is best friends with the young bucks um or best friends with Kenny Omega uh to a contract and not do anything with them you know um you might as well create your own goddamn brand extension um Actually, I just saw a tweet recently from Tony Khan where he was quoted as saying that Warner Brothers, Warner Discovery um, is supportive of the Ring of Honor pay-per-views and based on the success of the Ring of Honor pay-per-views, that will determine a television deal for Ring of Honor. So they're not fully in, invested in a, a TV deal for Ring of Honor as a standalone. They want to see how well their pay-per-views do which I think is smart on their part because they're shelling out millions of dollars in television rights fees to 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 AEW and they're not even producing consistently a million people a week for Dynamite. They barely crack half a million for Rampage on a weekly basis.
0: Yeah. It's uh it's going to be a struggle and I don't know if they'll I mean of course, Tony's going to load the card for an ROH pay per view if it, if it really matters. If they're going to look at the numbers, uh, so it, it. I mean, that'll but matter. But is he to though? Common.
1: But is he though? Because I he really know. thinks he really thinks everybody's a star. He thinks everybody that he's got signed is a star. Like that. Like to me, like I like his in ring work. And I'm referring to Wheeler Yuta, but I don't think Wheeler Yuta is a star. Everybody thinks he was a made guy after that same John with, Moxley match. Same
0: with Daniel Garcia. I I don't think those guys are ready yet.
1: Uh, do do I do I like where they've positioned Garcia as like a men, like he's in like a a a, a role with an association as an ally it's with fine. Danielson? Could that help him get to that level? Yes, it could. But is he a star? No. Is he someone that you can walk through the airport and be like, if you're not a wrestling family, like, who's that guy? He looks like a big deal. No. They call that the airport test. There's a lot of guys on that show. And I'm not trying to knock them because I like... I, there's things about the show I like. I've said this before. I've, I've had arguments with people about this. I'm critical of AEW. I'll be critical of WWE too. I don't think they're doing everything to hit a home run lately. Even under the Triple H regime. But I think they're making good strides and efforts to, to bring some consistency back to their programming.
0: You don't like shush?
1: I don't mind that, but uh, Kevin Nash said yeah. it on his podcast recently. He basically took Kurt Angle's gimmick. He's uh, like, yeah, oh yeah, he's For, like verbatim. He, yeah, he's like he Kurt Angle. His,
0: he should have been his son, though.
1: Yeah, Kurt. Ang- he's like if Kurt Angle fell asleep and got you know shrunk in the dryer, like, <laughs> like that's like that's that, and I like Gable. He's talented as fuck. Yeah,
0: yeah but but you. Uh, to your point, you don't agree. You're not agreeing with everything that's going on. I mean, the wrestling is abundant, the wrestling is plentiful, but that doesn't always mean that the water is going to taste that good. Exactly, somebody might be pissing. Somebody might be pissing upstream. Mm-hmm.
1: Like th- yeah. I, I, I do think that there's been a better effort from AEW to. Position certain guys where they need to be, as well as trying to elevate. I I think in theory, Khan tries his uh, his hardest to elevate guys to that next level. Okay, with the Garcias and the Yudas and things like that, like and 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 names like that, you know, Um, Billy Gunn's kids putting them with MJF, who's to me, I think MJF's the 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 top act in all of AEW. I mean, hands down, Uh, but. Do I think Wheeler Yuta, and um, and and Daniel Garcia and fucking are they stars? No. I mean, case in point, I was watching Dynamite last night. They had the National Scissoring Day ceremony with the acclaimed. Like they've gotten over. Yeah. Like it's 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 ridiculous, but they are over. The audience loves them. Yeah. They get a strong reaction. Between the, the It's the, about the,
0: connecting with the crowd. I mean, I you know, mean, as much as people hated the Mountie to a point, right now, like he's getting a reaction.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, he was also in a great position too, with Jimmy Hart as his manager, who was another heat seeker, true, true. right there. But I mean, he was also a very annoying, um, annoying chicken shit heel that people wanted yeah. to see get beat up, and he played that really well. You know, even as the Continued. even even with his brothers as part of the Ruggios, they were they were great as a team. Like they the were very, very underrated. Their
0: ass kicked.
1: Yes, exactly. I mean, let's put it this way: back then, if they made an action figure of you, you were a big deal. Okay, yeah. and they made an action figure of the Mountie. I have it in my my display case, a Hasbro. All right. Do you want to go say, to
0: this? Who
1: have we got here? I might be a little bit behind. I got Kerry Viner posing for the crowd, but you can play it. I love yeah. that setup—the uh, funeral parlor—and oh my god, I love it. Yeah, that was that was classic stuff, man. Is
0: your is your segment over? Oh uh, no, I'm, I'm, I mean I
1: managed to get in sync with you, so we're good. Yeah, okay, we're right on time. So, if you want to play the awesome. audio for this here, this is pretty cool with the the organ. A nice touch to the organ player. Phantom of the Opera
0: and he's got the Phantom of the Opera mask. Yeah. Painted on. That's so cool. Um That's, I mean, what a, what a, what a year for The Undertaker, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, let me ask you this. This has always been on my mind, okay? And I'm sure you're going to interject, you know, Hulk Hogan brother dude that's not going to work for me politics. But let me ask you this. Do you think Undertaker's push was designed to be another monster for Hogan to topple? Or was this early signs that the company was trying to move away from Hogan and look forward to the future by Undertaker defeating him at Survivor Series? Which would be a month following this that we're watching. Yeah. What do you think?
0: Not sure. I think he was built as a transitional monster, yes, but then I think he got over so much and was selling merch that they were like, we got to keep him strong. Mm -hmm. And through that, they had to turn him face, correct?
1: Well, they ended up turning him face, I think, early 92, right before WrestleMania. That's how it set up the match with him and Jake. Um
0: so that's a couple of months.
1: Yeah, so I'd say that was February of 92 is when he he um he saved Randy Savage and Elizabeth from Jake blasting their heads off with that chair behind the curtain. 4 months on Saturday Four Night's months. Main Event. So um I mean I, I'm 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 kind of torn because as a kid, he looked like he was unstoppable. He he was probably the the biggest on paper, and I'm going by the blueprint as to how things were back then. On paper, when you looked at him, and you matched him up with Hogan, he probably was the most credible threat to Hulk Hogan in a very oh, yeah. long time.
0: When, and then know, becoming the champion that that quickly in his brawn.
1: Yes. Even though he dropped the belt a couple days after, he was still looked at as this monster, unstoppable in many ways. Because
0: he was able to beat Hogan. Hogan gave him that victory, which is cool, but Hogan got his victory back. Uh But I think through that, they realized, this guy doesn't really need the title. They just need to fucking market him more as this, this big hoss guy. Um, but in a way, he can go against faces right now, like he is with Jim Duggan. Look how look how behind the crowd was of Jim Duggan. Oh um, yeah,
1: I, I, he was living proof that like you didn't need a title to be over. Like he was one of those yeah. like rare, you know, him, Big Boss Man, Roddy Piper. Even though they gave Piper the Intercontinental Title, he was Jake the Snake. Those are guys who are living proof that you didn't need to be the champion in order to get over and. Those were the guys that would eventually help the individuals move up the ladder. You know, like you would work with those guys to get to the main event. Like when Rick Rude used to be the guy, or Jake the Snake used to be the guy that had to get Rick Rude to the main event, or whoever else. You know, before you wrestled Hogan, you wrestled Jake. You know, then eventually in this era, guys like Piper, Duggan, Jake boss man those were the guys that worked with the guys that they wanted to build
0: yeah and i I also think like undertaker just he could the way he was built in his in the showcasing of him throughout his career it was slow uh you would you would figure out more about how he worked in the ring Mm -hmm. he would do a little bit more each match um, of course, he would have jobber matches where he did his signature moves. Um, but then, like you're saying, moving up the card, we'd see a little bit more. And it, even though his matches were short, it would just give you a little bit more of this character. They they really perfected this over the le- the next year. I mean, the year of Undertaker. Yes. You know? I mean,
1: the less is more theory. Um, mm-hmm. For sure. I do remember watching... Um, I remember seeing it in the magazines and then like seeing like clips of it on TV when I was youngster, but just recently I watched, I think it was like a, oh, I forget what it was. I don't know if it was a Saturday night's main event or it was like a Coliseum exclusive, but they had, I think they had, um, Warrior and Slaughter in like a singles match. And this was around the time when Undertaker had his sights set on Warrior um I don't know if this was before or after he locked him in the coffin. It might have been after. And they had set up um Undertaker getting involved and then the then Hogan would come and make the save. And that was when they were teasing like Hogan and Undertaker hogan would clothesline him over the rope he would no sell it he would stand on his feet he'd get back up on the apron hogan wouldn't hit him he wouldn't sell it he was kind of they were they were they were testing that idea to see what see what kind of reaction it was getting and i think eventually it would would lead to them at survivor series um but i do remember also in the i i want to say it was maybe it was the same show maybe it was a different show there's a, there's a handicap match with Hogan and Warrior against Slaughter, um, Colonel Mustafa, who was the Iron Sheik, and The Undertaker in a handicap match. Yep. And it was right before SummerSlam of that year when they did the handicap, when Sid was the referee. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Hogan and Warrior. I'm, I'm, yep. I've always wondered if they ever thought about putting Undertaker in that match. And and that's how you would kind of that's how you would kind of like you would because I always felt like as a kid I didn't see the matches like with him and Warrior because they were like live event matches or Coliseum exclusives. But I always wondered why Warrior never him and Undertaker didn't have that big match. Like why wasn't Undertaker on SummerSlam that year? They, you they know? just
0: weren't the best matches. It, it was, that's like, I mean that's oh. true. Both guys were not selling, trust me. I've I've seen both casket matches and the body bag match. Yeah. Not not the best stuff. Okay. But I mean it, it was cool as a kid. Like I I definitely remember watching the Coliseum classic mm-hmm. with that match and being like Undertaker and Ultimate Warrior, holy shit. Yeah. So pumped. Yeah. You know, but uh, uh, uh. retrospectively looking back, I'm like, eh, "That wasn't all that." No. Um here, here's an interesting one. WWF live event, February 16th, 1992. Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper go against and defeat Ric Flair and The Undertaker. Hmm.
1: I remember they were running some matches in the house show circuit for a little bit with Sid and, and Flair against Hogan and Piper um, mm-hmm. for a while. I used to see, like, um, advertisements um, for those matches, like, locally and, or even, like, on... You know, in Connecticut, we used to get the the MSG network, the Madison Square Garden Channel. Um, mm-hmm. And they would advertise... Lucky Bastard. Well, well, here's the thing. We didn't get this. The weird thing is they would advertise these matches taking place at the Garden, but they would never show them on TV because they had... Either they didn't have, you know... They didn't have cameras there or the if they did... Put them on, you know. Film it. There's other things going on on the MSG network that ha- set precedent over wrestling, you know. So, well, Hogan and Piper against Flair and Undertaker. Yeah, that sounds about right. Ninety-two of February. Yeah, that sounds about right. I've heard I've heard stories like that. I, I think there was even one one match. It was like a six man. I think it was like Hogan, Savage, and Duggan against like Jake, Undertaker, and the Berserker. Something like that. Yeah. I think I've seen that before.
0: Oh, two by four. I I, I just saw, yeah, I just saw Duggan and Savage against uh, Jake and Undertaker on on the list. Wow. Two by four definitely getting involved there. Um, Crowded and, and okay. Speaking of The Undertaker, again, just the evolution of the character. Look how Paul Bear controls him so much, and then later he would be a man of his own, you know? Mm-hmm. It, 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 the evolution of the character. He never really was too stale. He always yeah. evolved. Uh the next show that they do is in Barcelona, mm-hmm. October fifth of this year, nineteen ninety one. The main event is El Matador defeating the Undertaker. I heard about. 13, I've seen that in thirteen minutes. I've I, seen I, that. I, I want to see that.
1: The, uh, Dennis actually, he got me onto that. He told me about it once. We were talking about it, and Dennis, Dennis gets you know Brazil and Barcelona mixed up. I don't I mean. I don't know how you do that, but whatever. I guess he <laughs> didn't do too great in geography class. Love you, Dennis. But um. Dennis says that De- Dennis once told me he's like, you have to watch that match. That's unbelievable. The pop, what what Tito did against Undertaker at that time, he could have been the world champion. And then I went back and I watched it on YouTube, and that place went crazy for him. It was like I'll it, it, it rivaled on it. it rivaled on the pop that Davey Boy got when he beat Bret in Wembley. Wow, that, or that, the
0: pop that Davy gets when he wins in the the Battle Royal here.
1: Uh, I don't know, maybe.
0: We'll see piper we're we're, we're talking over Piper or whatever. It's all good. Uh, piper at the time was a guy that I think uh I mean, here's they, what they Piper said in the l- interview.
1: You, you want to you know what Piper said? How? Oh, just when uh, you think uh, I got the answers, I'm going to change the questions. <laughs> uh, Ric Flair, you call this address? That's a, a kill. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. you know, Virgil. Virgil. I trained Virgil. I taught Virgil how to fight. Dibiase. He thinks he's got all the money. <laughs> no way. I'm RP. Randy Piper. Ha, <laughs> ha. Nice.
0: Nice. Yeah, it's, uh, I think um, we're gearing up towards, uh, we got one more match and then the Battle Royal, correct?
1: Uh let me take a look here. Let's see what the Ross. let's see what the rundown is here on this um see. this battle royal, royal Oh no, album.
0: we got we got two we got two more. We got um the Legion of Doom going against power and glory, and then we got the British Bulldog against the barbarian, and then finally the twenty man bat
1: uh, Oh look at that. We're we got about an hour and some change left in this recording here. So like I said, two hours forty minutes, so um yeah, we're, we're we're chugging right along. Thank you all for 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 being patient, sticking with us here for this uh, this extra yeah, long. Hope you guys like.
0: Along. Hope you guys like some of the topics here. Here's a little pop quiz, Dave. Let's uh, who was who was the Undertaker's first title defense against after he beat Hulk Hogan in November of this year? Um, it's a short it Hogan, period of right? time, but. But but no, it's a short period of time, but he gotta defense it twice. Oh, Davy Boy. Yep.
1: Okay, yes, yeah. The British Bulldog. I, yeah, Davy Boy, okay.
0: In Canada, November twenty eighth and November thirtieth. Uh some tapings there that went on or live events. That were, makes uh, sense because
1: because Survivor series was in Detroit and Detroit borders Ontario. So yeah, that makes sense.
0: Okay. On the road, uh, Undertaker gets two title defenses and then loses to uh,
2: Brother Dude Jack.
0: <laughs> I like this old school uh, style here, too, where the, the wrestlers exit and then uh, another group of wrestlers come into the interview area.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, yeah, you know? that's, yeah, they, so sometimes they flip back and forth. Oh, like, here we go. We see power and glory. Which I want to talk talk about them here. I want to talk about them for a moment, okay? We're going to talk over this interview. But I feel like, and I might have said this to you before. I might be repeating myself, okay? I've talked about it on Kicking Out It 2. But I feel like Power and Glory as a team were very underrated, and they came in during the wrong period of time in tag team wrestling. I mean...
0: Roma. Or what if they were? What if they were in Jim Crockett or WCW? Well, all right. Do you think so they would so, have been treated better. Um,
1: yeah, I think so because I mean, look what they did with Roma. They made him a horseman, which go, which, 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 you know, were were they in the division at the wrong time, or were they just not that good of a tag team? I mean, let's look at the tag team scene at this time. We saw them earlier: Rockers and, and Nasty Boys. These guys: LOD, Natural Disasters, Bushwhackers. Beverly Brothers. I mean, uh, the list goes on and on. Um, Power and Glory established themselves, I feel like, with that dominant victory over the Rockers at SummerSlam in 1990, a year or so prior. And that big injury angle, they took out Shawn Michaels. I think their finish is completely underrated. That, That superplex top rope splash combo Mm-hmm. I think is one of the best finishers out there, low key underrated, doesn't get enough love. Um and I think me personally people can shit all over Paul Roma all all they want, okay? You know, Paul Roma went from being an enhancement jobber with Jim Powers as a tag team to being very low on the card to then eventually being put in a significant spot with Hercules and Slick as their manager, who Slick was fucking over, okay? Slick was over as a manager. Now, people say, oh, well, Roma is a horseman. That's awful. That's terrible. And on paper, yes, you look at that, and that is pretty bad. But you have to think that WCW, in theory, had the best intentions for Roma, and they, and they made that move based on his run in WWF, his power and glory. What, what, what's your take on that?
0: I think they made that move just because he could work in the ring because I'm looking at it here. Um, Power and Glory was only a team from July of 1990 into this event. Mm-hmm. And then they, they split them up. Uh, Paul Roma either got fired because he has no matches in 1992 or he got injured. And they keep Hercules around uh, to go against Roddy Piper, Matador, uh, Randy Savage in '91 and in '92, uh, uh, he's getting jobbed out a lot to uh, two other people, Carrie Von Erich and uh, Sid Justice, and then uh, he goes in to be Super Invader uh, in 1992. So yes. uh, they could they could have had they could have very well had Power and Glory in. Uh, WCW, but they they chose not to.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that that's it. That's interesting. Yeah, I think Roma did get fired, if I'm not mistaken, or he quit, and then Hercules yeah. was just kind of on his own for a little bit.
0: <clears throat> maybe you know, just Paul Roma thought he because he was wrestling he was wrestling singles for a while uh, in WWF before Power and Glory. He was going against Steamboat and uh, a couple of other guys. Who's this? So maybe. Paul Roma. Paul Roma. Okay. And same with Hercules. You know, he he had he had a singles run as well. So maybe they they thought that they were better off as singles guys. Mm-hmm. Maybe they didn't get along. Who knows? Yeah. Um, I think, I think though they could have been a, a force in WCW if they would have used them correctly.
1: Yeah, I that I think they would have had a better shot because the tag team scene was a little thin in WCW. During that time period, you had the Steiners.
0: Them and the Steiners, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, that was really about it. To the best, uh, Steiners, uh, Dangerous Alliance, you know, Anderson.
0: Yeah, Arn and uh, Zabisco. Zabisco, and then or, eventually Arn or, or and, and Eaton. Yeah. Yeah, Arn and Eaton. Yeah, it it could be interesting. I think these guys were just more focused on um uh singles. Do you want to hear the Road Warrior pop? Yes. Let's hear. It. yeah definitely getting that that world uh, rub on them by getting defended in royal
2: albert hall
0: but uh don't don't keep don't keep hawk around too long cuz he might uh start riding around with some hell's angel yeah that'll be the that would be the year following but uh yeah uh ah, yeah Ro- road warriors are over like rover here
1: yeah even when they weren't at their best they were still super over You know,
0: people... For sure.
1: I've talked about... I just talked about it with Dennis recently. We did a recording. uh, It's going to be in the archives uh, within the next week or so as we we celebrate the birth of D-Generation X watching the October 13th, 1997 episode of Monday Night Raw. That, you know, by the time this recording drops or following this recording dropping, that will also be in the archives as well. And on that show, the Legion of Doom wrestled the Godwins for the WWF Tag Team titles. And we talk about the... um,
0: Hoss match
1: yeah the 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 road warriors and you know the their their significant runs you know their' two runs in the WWF and compare that to their time in Jim Crockett and, and NWA um it's funny because I don't I mean, you look at the road warrior run in, in both you know during this time period as well as in 97 and obviously they weren't the same
0: well what about but, what what about their initial run in AWA
1: well, I was just going to say, going back to like AWA and then eventually NWA, they were like unstoppable monsters. But when they came to the WWF, it's almost like they humanized them and shown some vulnerability. And in certain situations, I thought that was good. And other times, I didn't think it was best for their characters to, be, to, to, to show vulnerability.
0: I, mean, I agree. Um, I think they—they're they're used to smash them up stuff style, mm-hmm. and their 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 rivals before were um, were like the rock and roll, uh, the Midnight Express. I'm sorry, yep. who are like small, smaller, smaller, faster guys that could take bumps for them and stuff. Arn Look and who Tully, they're going against. Yeah, and look who they're going against here. If if they were to be matched up with anybody, it would have been the Rockers. Uh, if the Rockers were like heels, or uh-huh. they or the LOD were heels, but yeah. I don't know, they they they're too over. So it's about how you pair them up. I mean, this match does not go long at all. This Mm-mm. is a nine-minute match. Yeah. So thank God, it's not like it's not like their matches were. I mean, I guess they they were the same length as they would be in in NWA Jim Crockett when they had them, but mm-hmm. the the caliber of opponents that that like we're talking about, everybody was a name, so it's not like they could bury all the all the tag teams that quickly. So, uh they kind of had to work and sell a little bit more than they did before.
1: Yeah. I think you saw that with the Nasty Boys when they wrestled the Nasty Boys. <laughs> 'Cause the nasty boys were very smash mouth and they could kind of they could kind of match the physicality of the Road Warriors. Like they could take For a sure and they could they could they could hammer out some guys too.
0: Natural uh, disasters as well.
1: Yeah. So you saw teams that kind of matched up to them on a physical level. Um they couldn't really like bounce them around. But then when you saw them wrestle teams that like were polar opposites, it was hit or miss. Like Like, power and glory here, okay? Like, yeah, Hercules may be the one that's, like, the big guy that can, like, match up the strength and, and you know, go toe-to-toe with them physically. But Roma's, like, the pretty boy that gets bounced around. And the match is just there. Like, this match, like, they've wrestled before. Like, it's just there. Like, there's not... I don't know. There's... It's not interesting to me when these two
0: teams... they're just in control. There's no psychology here where yeah. I mean Yeah, the, the the heels gonna get the heat somewhat, but they're gonna just fucking fire back. But There's then no, when you like, see work- the
1: Road Warriors against the Heart Foundation, Brett and Anvil, it's a totally different match. Because now Brett, you know, he's the scientific wrestler, he's the one that's the in a ways the architect. He's the one that's kind of from a psychology level trying to pick apart the big man, like take like chop the tree down so to speak of the road warriors while he's got the power of the anvil to 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 help punish them more uh, from a physical level. And that story, yeah. I think is much more intriguing than just seeing these two teams wrestle you know for the heck of it. Like here, like what's like I'm no psychology expert, but so Hawk just Hammers on Hercules, and Herc's like bounced up against the rope, and then like Roma comes in and makes like you know Roma's Roma's in for a tag, and he like not like I don't know it just it just kind of took the flow of the match away, the way like the way they transitioned from Hercules to Roma coming in the ring against Hawk.
0: Yeah, um, I'm trying to look for when did uh when did har foundation go against
1: uh, i think we saw him in 1990 i think it was like a coliseum exclusive
0: very cool yeah it was like right back.
1: around the time the road warriors started in the wwf
0: awesome i have to go back and watch that yeah yeah uh i want to see that type of psychology i like uh, uh like i said i i would have loved to see the rockers versus um legion of doom
1: that would have been cool yeah but yeah
0: these guys are just hammering away the heels right now i mean yeah you he'll get a little heat wow hawk just flew through the bottom ropes hope he didn't do too much pcp (laughs) or whatever (laughs)
1: So while we're while while we're on this subject here, or while we're while we're watching this match, because there really isn't a whole lot of substance here, I wanted to talk to you about the 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 most recent of the NXT UK folding, and they've rebranded themselves as NXT Europe. Um, yes, but indeed, they haven't launched in twenty twenty three. What are your thoughts on the whole NXT UK vibe and um them kind of taking a sabbatical for a little bit?
0: Um, we were always told it was a, uh, developmental brand, mm-hmm. almost akin to NXT, the original, but yep. just for the UK talent, yeah. uh, Tyler Bate, Pete Dunne, uh, Trent Seven guys that have been there since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, McDonough, who is Finn Balor's protege. Um, a, a couple, a couple guys to, to name, uh, you know, that, I, that I'll name right there. Uh, but they... Uh, I don't know. I never really watched it too much. I, I watched the beginning, and then I was kind of just... It's a different... It's a different program as far as, like, it's... The European fan has a little a lot of comedy involved with their wrestling. Mm-hmm. Do, do you see that?
1: Like, in terms of, like, I the mean, crowd participation in the matches?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's more it's the more chance. it's more com yeah it's more comedy focused and some of the chants too it's it's a lot of uh it's a different pace yep. but I do I, I don't mind the pace mm-hmm. uh, I love the Walter and Ilya stuff that's hard hitting the technical mm-hmm. world of sports if you will um but them merging into NXT made sense uh, it's kind of like a three year five year plan that they always have with developmental guys get them to a point at, in three or five years and then kind of make your move. Uh, okay. So it, it made sense for the brands to team up because NXT has been struggling uh, by itself Yeah, uh, as much as there, there is potential there and some promise and in, in the talent uh, it is very much so a developmental brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these fresh faces should help hopefully if they do yeah. it right. What are your thoughts?
1: Um I I didn't watch a lot of the weekly programming although from what I've heard it was the best wrestling out of all of, of WWE in terms of the the in ring. Um I I would catch a few things here and there as we see the finish, nice power slam God, transition. God. Animal. Um but I'd catch the takeovers or things like like the the Walter Dragonoff match uh that was in a close set during COVID was probably the match of the year in WWE yep. uh, at that time. Um, unbelievable. Hard-hitting. It was just, I wouldn't say a masterpiece, but it was a lot of fun. And the takeovers that they had. They only had a couple of NXT UK takeovers. I think they wrestled in Cardiff one time. Um, I forget where else. But the matches that Walter had with like um, uh, Pete Dunne, Tyler Bate, um, those were a lot of fun. And I'm glad to see that the guys that really held it together over in the UK brand are getting an opportunity on the, the main level, like Walter, yes. Pete Dunn, Tyler Bates in NXT now. Um, they've taken some of those guys, like the Grizzled Young Vets, they turned them into like followers for Joe Gacy. They rechanged their names. Um, Schism. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so dyad. Like the, the dyad, yeah, like so. Those guys, I'm glad to see that they're they're getting an opportunity because they were bright spots as far as NXT UK goes. And eventually, it's going to be rebrand. It's it's been rebranded as NXT Europe, but they're looking to launch in 2023. Mainly, what they're really looking to do is they're looking to take they're looking to in a, in a way re- reform the territory system, but under their umbrella on a global level. So with the yeah. NXT marketing, you know, you have NXT domestically in the United States and North America, and you could have NXT Mexico, NXT Japan, NXT Europe, NXT South America. They're looking to take all these different areas of the world and use that as one giant feeder system while yeah. keeping guys employed in their region. You know, and and, and I think it's, I think it's a really cool idea that they're trying to modernize the territory system. I, 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 I kind of like it. I'm looking forward. I, it's something that they wanted to do before COVID. Oh, I know shit. that.
0: We, we need to go to here. Here. Hold on. We need to go to Lord Alfred Hayes, correct?
1: Um, yeah. Is he in the ring? Let's go to him. Yeah.
2: The Barbarian. The real Lord of the World Wrestling Federation. His lordship Alfred Hayes. He can be a lord, I can be a lord. You wanna be a lord?
1: Lord banana. Be good for you. Okay. The antlered one making his way down. The Earl. I used to manage the barbarian. I know what he's capable of Took doing. Took him for every dime
2: he made. He did Nah, don't start spreading that. It's all he's got left is those. And enemies. now it is my privilege to introduce. From Goldburn, Lancashire, at 19 stones four oh, oh, Of course the leader, buddy,
0: Wow! Big reaction there, and and to your point, they. They're just trying to brand out and and make a territory feeder system. They've they kind of started it a long long process around this time, having a, a their TV and UK specials, you know, specifically for this audience as the UK people uh, kind of gained exposure uh, to the WWF brand.
1: You know what's amazing you about know? like UK wrestling fans. There's a lot of great... I I like watching shows from over there because the crowds are more livelier. And I think it's also because they appreciate the wrestling more because they don't get to see it as often live and in person. They watch it on TV. But you know what's interesting also about them too? How loyal they are. And this goes to regarding TNA. When TNA used to run shows overseas, they drew more overseas in the UK Than they did domestically here in the United States. Even when they were running small arenas in the United States. They had like 2,000 people maybe in them. They were drawing more. Their ratings were stronger overseas in the UK. Than it was here in the United States. At one point. If I recall. I had heard a rumor that someone had pitched an idea to Dixie Carter. About running more regular television overseas overseas. Like setting up shop over there and being like, and that being a regular. I thought that
0: what they were doing when they were kind of. I thought that's that's what they were doing when they were kind of branding with uh, Global because they were running a lot of worldwide shows in India. But I mean like regularly, like weekly basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they would tape
1: for like months there. Like it wouldn't be just like a a quick tour for like three weeks and then they, they. it wouldn't be like a quick tour for like two or three weeks. They'd be there for like months, like, like, the, like almost like half the year. And then they would tour the United States the other half of the year. That was an idea that was pitched that I don't think she went along with mainly because of how much it was going to cost them to be over there and stay over there. And plus also the talent, mostly based in the United States, would have to almost find some kind of temporary residency for six months over there, which would... And yeah. with what they were paying talent at that time, it would it they'd be losing it money. Was not- yeah, they were making guys. Nick Aldiss
0: dumb- was Nick Aldis was one of the top guys though over there at the time. So
1: yes, uh, I
0: I could have definitely seen that um, to a smaller degree.
1: Even Drew McIntyre, who was working for them at the time. Oh, when true. He was known yep. as Drew Galloway. You know he he, yes. he he would have been probably a main focal point of their programming had they had decided to set up shop there on a more regular basis.
0: Yeah. Um definitely British bulldog is one of the first uh exports that WWF got behind uh and it's a shame that he never really um reached the peak. I mean, we've talked about that plenty on prior episodes and archives that we've discussed about the British bulldog not being mm-hmm. the championship uh like not holding the title but um he definitely uh he definitely put on some great matches with sean and brett being a contender for the title Mm -hmm. um and a hell of a match the following year um with brett Uh, but yeah what are your thoughts him being pushed a little bit better in wcw what would he been a good television or WCW cha- or US champion?
1: I think he could have been a good heavyweight champion at that time. WCW's oh. main event roster was a little thin in ninety 90- okay. in ninety three. Um, you know, you had Vader, you had Sting, you had Sid for a brief period of time before Vader. He, um, yeah, Vader, Sid, Sting, um, Flair. Uh, you know, Rick Rude. Uh, you know, Davy Boy would wrestle for the heavyweight title but for whatever reason they 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 decided not to pull the trigger. I know that through um, through listening to the 83 weeks podcast, the idea was was that they wanted to make Davey that international star that connected overseas to to the UK because eventually they wanted to tour the UK but for whatever reason. Um, oh,
0: seems like every every wrestling business idea.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I mean for WCW at that time, they yeah. didn't have that international um no. That, that international reach overseas in that, that region, you know, the UK. They were they had a foothold in Japan because of the Japanese wrestlers. And I think that was the formula that they were trying to to emulate with Davy was um highlight this UK star so that when we can when we get our, our name over there, he's our focal point. He can help us draw. And I think also a big part of that comes from the success of SummerSlam in ninety two with Davey and Brett. And Davey being the, the, the main event of that show. I think WCW uh-huh. looked at that and was like, okay, if we can get him and he's popular over here, we might have a shot at at, at gaining a, a, a larger following in the UK for our brand. Because it was always known as a southern wrestling territory.
0: Yeah, they wanted to get more global with uh, the WCW Turner in the 90s. Yeah which isn't a bad yeah. idea. No, no. And he was a guy that I would definitely uh uh you know hitch my tail to or tail of my hitch to.
1: Hitch your wagon to.
0: Hitch my wagon to. Yeah. Um at the time, but um you don't want to yeah, hitch your no. tail
1: to him cuz that's no, where he that's where he smoked from the crack pipe from his tail.
0: Crack pipe. Yeah. Um <clears throat> definitely Could have done more with him in WCW. It's unfortunate.
1: Yeah, I mean, his team with Sting, that like superpowers type of team, I thought that was good. Um, He had a couple of good matches with Vader uh, on TV. Um, I remember watching a match, I think, with him and Vader at a clash of champions that wasn't bad. Uh, I think they even had a pay-per-view match for the title at one point. Um, I remember a match he had with Rick Rude. Uh, for like the international title, which was the big gold belt, um, when the belt came back over from Ric Flair, when Ric Flair yeah. returned in '93, he brought the belt back, and they rebranded that as the International Championship. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like like everyone has said over the years, um, Davy's injuries, as well as his extracurricular activity, probably attributed to. His um, why he didn't ascend further up the card.
0: Absolutely. Both these guys uh, would kind of go to WCW around the same time, too.
1: Uh, Bar- yeah, I think Barbarian. No, Barbarian, I think, would end up there in 95, maybe, 96. No, he was
0: there in 92. Ron Sidmonds. Oh, remember? you're right.
1: Yes, you are right. That's right. I forgot. But then he came back. He was one of the head shrinkers.
0: Yes. in 94 he, he had a brief stint in 1992. Yes. Uh, WCW I was that. trying to, WCW was trying to gobble up all the 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 competition because they were like, "Fuck, they took Ric Flair, we're going to take whoever."
1: Yeah, we're going to take Greg Valentine and the Barbarian. That'll get him <laughs> <laughs> That was Bill Watts. Yeah. That is a total yeah. Bill Watts move there.
0: Uh-huh. Uh 92 would be a tryout time for Owen. As well in WCW,
1: I do remember that. I remember he had a a, a tryout with them, Um, but I believe it was <clears throat> was it early? Yeah. Oh, was it was it after his WrestleMania match with Skinner, or was it before? Because I know he was a part of a team with Anvil as the New Heart Foundation as a tag team. I think
0: it was. It was like a little bit before. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, or was it maybe 91?
1: He had that, that, uh, that tryout match, uh,
0: interesting time though, in the world of wrestling, we spoke about it plenty on marking out the days season two, uh, the weekend wars.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of experimenting, especially for WCW at that time in 92, um. but yeah.
0: uh, WCW Live March Owen and Pillman against Jimmy Garvin and Michael Hayes 1991 okay
1: interesting see I had a feeling yeah it was 91 because I remember seeing pictures of Owen like on like worldwide or something but it was like him in like a job match
0: Fun stuff here. Uh, Yeah. um, The Bulldog going up for that big suplex.
1: Oh, you must be a little bit ahead of me. No, that's okay. Don't change anything. Keep it where you're at. I've got Bulldog and Barbarian just rolling back into the ring after they were on the floor.
0: Tell me when they get into the corner for the tent punch.
1: Um. I got him up for the suplex. There we go. Bam. Oh, he kicked out of the suplex. That was Bulldog's signature right there. Yep. While we're on the subject of Davey.
0: We're in the corner you know, he, for the 10 count? Yeah, ten I'm range. there.
1: Yep, I'm there. there. He just got off. Awesome. Okay. Cool. Um. While we're on the subject of Davey, you know, he would leave, go to WCW for 93. Power slam. Yep, this is the finish here. He would come back in 94 and side with Brett against Owen and Anvil. Eventually, team with Luger as the the allied powers. Um, And then Luger would leave to go to WCW, and then Davey would get a singles run with Jim Cornette as his manager. And we would see that classic match he would have with Brett at the In Your House pay-per-view in December of 95. I liked him as a
0: heel with Cornette.
1: Same, same here. I thought it was a nice refreshing um, refreshing change of pace for him because he was this you know big, muscular, goody two shoe Englishman, and I think he needed a uh I that's that's where I thought he had the best opportunity to be the champ was mm-hmm. during that era as a heel with Cornette as his manager.
0: Could have definitely seen it, too, and if they wanted to do the global thing like the European Championship that they uh, tried to expand upon. Uh, I mean, they were always trying to get global and more reach over there, but, yeah, they could have definitely gave British Bulldog, like, a two-month reign.
1: Yeah. I w- Yeah, I-, I could have seen that. Um, then, of course, the Hart Foundation stuff with Brett and Owen. He was a tag team with Owen at one point. Um mm-hmm. Uh, you know, then the screw job. He eventually le- and then it just seemed like, see, he was on a good pace with the Heart Foundation as part of that stable. He was having some pretty good matches. He was a European champion. He was a tag team champion. Um, that Canada angle was red hot, and then after the screw job, it just seemed like it just kind of went all downhill from him. He goes to WCW, and it's just not the same.
0: Not at all w c w did he even pick up a title there at all?
2: no,
1: he was kind of like and and the weird thing was is that like they brought him and 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 anvil in, and they were kind of aligning them together, but then they weren't with Brett like they separated Brett from them,
0: holy shit, they had a tag team match against the i w g p uh, tag team champions. In 1998, Davey Boy Smith and Jim Neidhart against Tenzan and Masahira Chono really? for the tag for the IWGP Tag Team Titles on a Thunder Taping in June of 1998. Holy shit! What's w- the date? June what? June
1: June 18th, 1998. June 18th,
0: 1998. They wrestled. Oh my goodness! Holy. Cow. They they won by DQ too. But yeah, they they just kind of flung them together here and there, and then. Uh, then they started doing the British uh, thing with Alex Wright and Davy Boy Smith, and and there's a like a tape of Davy Boy that's like before the Nitro or some type of taping where he goes against Alex Wright. He's just out of his mind on pills and he can't even keep his uh, his like composure together. And that was and,
1: from when he took the slam onto the trap door in the yeah. ring. Yeah. If you remember yep. that, the the warrior had that trap door in the ring to come in and out because he was doing that angle with Hogan in the NWO. And yep. he took a slam on it and it fucked his back up.
0: And then he would come back and make a brief uh, stint in WWE again and become the hardcore champion. Yep. As well as being involved with the six-pack challenge with uh, British Bulldog, The Rock, Big Show, Mankind, Kane, and Kane. That was Triple interesting.
1: H. I kind of I loved
0: I loved six pack challenge match. It's like an elimination or like an anything kind of match with like a tag as well involved. Mm-hmm. I liked it.
1: I thought that I I thought his return in '99 because he had some credibility and some name value that he was going to be helpful in the main event scene. And they threw him in there pretty quickly. They threw him in there against Rock, uh, Triple H, and then. But- it just kind of went downhill after that. Like, yeah, they did, he got, it,
0: he got, um,
1: they put him, they had him wrestling in jeans, and I was like, I was like, yeah.
0: Yeah, Test beat him, and, uh, <clears throat> there was a no contest steel cage match. I don't know. I guess the corporation might have been involved or something. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of schmas finishes around that time. Well, I remember and also, would...
1: too, when they hyped his return in WWF in September. In, in, <clears throat> That that late summer of '99, they did like a sit-down interview with him. Uh, it was like him and Diana, and they talked about his, um, you know, how he's like, you know, his issues with pills. And they huh? got really candid in the interview. They were talking about how he almost died and that his injury in WCW really spiraled with, you know, the his his, his back problems and that he was he his comeback was for Owen. I remember they specifically quoted him. He was like, I'm doing this for Owen. And they talked about, like, Owen's death and what it did to the family and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, they're going to really take him seriously now. Like they, like I said, then they threw him in there with The Rock. He had a, a couple of matches with Mankind, even Triple H. And then and
0: then, then just, he was kind of like the leader of, of Joey Abbs, Pete Gass, and Rodney. Kind oh, of that right? was
1: fucking silly.
0: In cahoots with Shane O'Mac, at yeah, the European Championship, and then he kind of just got jobbed out.
1: Yeah, and then yeah, they didn't really do much with him since. It was it was it was pretty nuts. Um, do we see kinda the Battle Royal entrance making their way down? We have so far we have uh, Earthquake, Mounty, Typhoon, Tito Santana, the Rockers, Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich all getting their own individual entrances here. Now, this what are battle- your
0: thoughts of the battle Royal? I'm going to go over schematics or, uh, <clears throat> types of battle Royals. Okay. Do you like this type of battle Royal where they all come in at once and battle till the the very end where one person wins? Or do you like it where the Royal rumble, where they come in one at a time? I prefer Royal I mean,
1: rumble. It's more exciting it gives you something okay. to look forward to. Absolutely. Um, yeah the the idea the, of
0: the World War WCW, which they would end up doing, is kind of like a battle royal with two rings. Correct? Three actually. They would... Three. I'm sorry. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They would they would have uh, 60 men come out at once, uh, which is that's way too much. You know?
1: Dennis and I did a watch along on kicking out at two of the the, the inaugural World War Three Battle Royal in 1993 when it was for the vacant WCW title. And even watching the Battle Royal was so confusing yep. because you had three different rings, then they would split the screen up, and then you would go to th- three different sets of commentators throughout the course of the match. It was quite the clusterfuck. You go back in the yes. archives, you find it. World War Three, 1995. Dennis and I watched that entire battle royal from start to finish. Not the show, just the battle royal. And you could probably tell as we're watching it that, like, and if you're listening, how confused we can be at times because we're we're trying to call the action as we're having the discussion, and things are changing so quickly. It's like some big giant, you know, mind fuck (laughs) as a viewer. It's it's crazy
0: too much going on at once uh this is uh a little more contained which is nice but uh okay what are your thoughts of the different types of variations of battle royals that have been presented throughout the years where you eliminate everybody except for maybe two people and then those guys have a have a match at the end
1: i like that idea i think that 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 freshens it up um I don't mind that concept. Uh, I remember TNA used to do that a lot with their gauntlet for the gold. I thought that was a nice way to to differentiate themselves, although they would do Royal Rumble style. So they it would be just like...
0: had a gauntlet for gold uh, within the last month. Okay. And, uh, and um, oh, my God, Eddie Edwards won. So he'll okay. be challenging for the championship.
1: Against Josh Alexander? Yes, indeed. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I like that idea. It kind of freshens things up. Royal Rumble's great, too. Um, I think Royal Rumble changed the game for Battle Royals, to be honest with you, with with sure. you know, the, the entrant coming out every 60 seconds or 90 seconds or whatever. Um, and you could tell multiple different stories throughout the course of a, a one-hour match, and it feels fresh because there's so many different guys, and it's not the same two or three people in a match. So it's, to me... And, and, and I'm looking – I don't know if I – told. I think I told you this in, in, in private, but I'm planning to go to the Royal Rumble uh, in San Antonio. At the and, Alamo. At the Alamo Dome, that's right. My wife and I are going to San Antonio for a long weekend, so I'm really looking Speaking forward
0: Speaking of to Dome, that. pal. Uh, <laughs> sorry,
1: I'm kidding. Go <laughs> oh, ahead. It's all good. Um, so that's – and I've, I've been to a Royal Rumble. I went to the one in Boston in 2011 when they had 40 guys in the match. Wow, and that was fun. So now I'm gonna go with my wife, San Antonio. Never been to Texas, so that should be fun. Um, and she, and you know, she likes watching the Royal Rumble on TV. So, you know, every year that the Rumble's on, she'll watch it with me. If we're if we're either hosting or, um,
0: that's so, the yeah. ones that my friends always want to watch, or uh, Susie always wants to watch. We always, yeah, it, it's that's the like that in WrestleMania. You know, yeah. Royal Rumble has really like reached that peak of like, it's 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 fun to watch it every year. What are your it's what are the, your hopes going What are your hopes going into
1: it? Um, that we see some good surprises, that we see a fun match. The last couple of years, the men's Rumbles have kind of just been eh. Mm. Um, last year's especially. Uh, with the with the story behind it that Shane McMahon booked the Royal Rumble and it was a big clusterfuck behind the scenes and that's what led to his departure from the company, um, the fallout he had with his father allegedly over that. Um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to uh, looking forward to having a good time, obviously, but. Um, I'd like to see some surprises, some things that were, that like I couldn't see coming. There's rumors that Cody Rhodes is going to be returning during that match, so that should be fun. Um, and there's been strong rumors of, of
0: maybe Shawn Michaels.
1: I don't think he's going to make an appearance in the match, but I wouldn't be surprised if he makes an appearance on camera. You know, maybe uh, maybe he, he like he sits ringside, he shakes the the raises the hand of the winner type of thing. Um, Actually, I'm kind of hoping that they do some kind of fan access in San Antonio that weekend. That would be kind of fun. I could take my wife to that, walk around. Um, if they're doing some type of meet and greet, and because it's, Al, it's San Antonio and, and Shawn Michaels, um, ho- hopefully I'll get to meet them. Um, we'll see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, I, I've never been to Texas, so my wife booked the flight and the hotel just the other day, as a matter of fact, and... Um, we're staying at a hotel near the, the, the famous Riverwalk in San Antonio, which I hear is really nice. Lots of shops and restaurants. Um, so I'm going to check that out. And then uh, I think we're going to go visit the Alamo. Um, Very cool. And uh, see if Pee Wee Herman's bike is in the basement at the Alamo.
0: <laughs> Susie and I just were watching that the other day. You watched it's, that it's movie o- the other day? Yeah, it's October. There's 4, no October. basement in the
1: Alamo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm totally uh, gonna take a
1: picture and put it on facebook and you. and and ask everybody where peewee herman's bike is and see how many people will understand i know you'll get it you'll probably love the picture or like it or maybe even laugh at it you'll 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 give me some kind of social media I'll reaction me that's feedback, appropriate yeah. yeah you'll give me some feedback but um i will definitely uh hope i'm looking forward to it just gonna Speaking be a lot of, of fun fe-
0: yeah, that'll be awesome, man. Uh, speaking of feedback, man, look at this. This is uh, like, Piper came in so hot right here. The crowd was like so behind Piper, and then mm-hmm. he tangles uh, Rick Flair with the with the camera cord, and the camera guy is like, no, 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 like pulling the camera cable back. <laughs> kind of blew yeah. the spot there, but uh, man, Piper is really over here.
1: Do you remember the Do you remember the hot angle that st- that started it with him and Flair? Uh, uh, no. Remind so Fla- me. All right, so Flair had come in. But he then introduced, you know, built up Flair for months. He put the belt on TV. He did the spot at SummerSlam where he was in Hogan's dressing room, and Hogan slammed the door on him, and um, Piper was laughing at commentary about it. And then uh, Flair, I think they would introduce vignettes, and Flair eventually made his way on the TV, and Piper had, you know, on commentary um shown his his disdain for Ric Flair and there was this particular episode of Superstars where Flair was making his in-ring debut on WWF Superstars and he comes he makes his way out to the ring and before he gets to the ring he stops and he notices that the commentators area which is closer to the, the, the curtain was Vince Piper and Randy Savage. Now Randy Savage had just returned after being a after the 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 wedding angle with Jake the Snake and Undertaker. This is before he got bit by the Cobra. But they were doing this campaign to reinstate Randy Savage. So Flair um during the um what the hell is Hercules doing? Just grabbed a grabbed a random chair. So anyway, so Flair comes out to ringside, notices Piper and he climbs up to the podium where they have their announcer's desk cuz it was kind of elevated at that time and he gets he gets um he gets in Piper's face he slaps Piper in the back of the head knocks his headset off and then the two of them just start brawling and Vince oh, is trying yes. to break it up and Savage jumps down and he doesn't really get too involved because Vince reminds him that like you're trying to get reinstated you do anything this is going to you know Affect that, and so Savage for the for the first time that I can remember as a kid, he was kind of reserved because normally Randy Savage, if he was involved in anything like that, he'd get really physically involved and you know he would fight back. At one point, I think Flair shoved him, and Savage didn't even do anything because they were playing up the story that Savage was trying to get reinstated, and if he did something to fuck that up, it wasn't going to happen. He wasn't going to get Jake the Snake, so. Flair's beating on Piper. They got referees. They got officials. They got the whole goddamn cavalry coming out and and trying to break this up. And Piper manages to get up back up on his feet and he grabs this wooden chair and Vince now jumped off the commentary. There's nobody on commentary. Okay. It's all crowd reaction as the audience is watching. And Vince got in the way and Piper went swinging for the fences and he nails Vince from behind with this like wooden chair that like smashes into like a thousand pieces. And that I remember watching that on sat on that Saturday morning. And I was like, Oh my God, he hit Vince the announcer. Cause I didn't realize he was the owner at the time. I was like, Oh my God. Like I, for, I borderline thought that was real. Wow. And that was where it really kicked off with flair and Piper.
0: Very cool stuff. And they had like, maybe it was kind of like a callback to the tension that they had in, uh, back in days in, uh, Georgia. Yes. No.
1: Yes. They were definitely just... they were definitely playing off their not I mean it wasn't <laughs> said in storyline, but they, they had they had kind of briefly mentioned that there was a history between the two of them, that they went back a little bit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh Earthquake here working with Ric Flair.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting uh combination. And that was what's cool about like these battle royals at the time because oh. You saw guys interact with each other that you didn't normally see interact with each other. That was like those mm-hmm. Survivor Series matches too, you know. Now everybody's wrestled everybody and there's no real, like, fresh ideas in wrestling.
0: Yeah, there's not a lot of guys that haven't touched in uh, WWE. And I think that's a lot to do with TV exposure and mm-hmm. uh, overexposure of the product as well. As much as I love wrestling, you know, seeing the same match over and over or the same person over and over it's kind of uh wow, Sean went out there, he's skinning the cat, but he got <laughs> he got clothes lined up.
1: By the Mountie! All right, so so we 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 kinda of talked about this um on kicking out of two when you took part in the Labor Day scrum. Uh which got a quite a significant amount of uh, downloads, I should say. Um, maybe awesome. there was maybe there were some comments that were made during it by myself that kind of sparked that. But nonetheless, um, we kind of talked about the, the the thoughts on the the Cardiff Clash at the Castle show that took place um, Labor Day weekend uh, last month. Um, following that, do you think we will see a WrestleMania in the UK?
0: Oh, definitely. We we have to. That'd be mm-hmm. cool. <clears throat> um much as American fans would hate it, is this time to maybe do a WrestleMania in the UK and then a WrestleMania in the U- United States, a day one and day two?
1: Interesting. So so you're saying doing a two-night format, but one in the United States and one in the UK. Correct. Wow. Okay. That's not a bad idea. That is not a bad idea.
2: That way
0: everyone's happy. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: That way people in the UK can work, you know, the night before it's presented. And then in less than 24 hours is the second night of WrestleMania live in the United States. Mm -hmm. You know? Well,
1: the UK version would probably air during the day like the Cardiff show did. Mm. At like one o'clock, because they would be going. Live. Yeah, but
0: it'd also be eight hours long.
1: <laughs> no, not necessarily.
0: Or five hours long. So at least he'd get until one till five.
1: Three three and a half four. I mean that Cardiff show was almost four hours, and that was still you know they had six. It was about three and a half hours. He had six matches on that show. Seven matches on that show. True, and
0: then a half hour of uh of, of Tyson Fury singing song.
1: Oh yeah yeah. Yeah, that was we talked about that. But yeah. that's not a bad idea. Splitting it up. But here's the here's the here's the here's the issue with that, that 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 they run into. You gotta draw. You gotta have two really big main events. You gotta load up each card. Like load it up. Yeah. If you're gonna if 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 you're gonna get a sellout each night. Like, do you like you gotta do something where like the audience in both regions isn't gonna feel guilty that they didn't get to go to the other show like right. like like at WrestleMania this year you know Steve Austin headlined night one against Kevin Owens and then he was also a part of night two when he did the run-in in Vince in the thing with Vince and pet and Pat McAfee you know if I was a if I was a fan and I went to WrestleMania both nights, or I went to WrestleMania one night, let's say I went to WrestleMania night two, and I didn't get to see Steve Austin because he competed on night one, I'd be pretty pissed. I'd be annoyed. Yeah. You know, like, did you notice how when Undertaker was put inducted into the Hall of Fame, he did two curtain calls on night one and night two? Yeah. Of WrestleMania? Because yeah. you're paying your hard-earned money. Who knows if you got tickets for night one? You didn't get to see him night one. So trot him out Ooh. for night two.
0: Undertaker just pulled Roddy out dirty. Wow. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if the American fans or most of the general public of WWE consumers would be happy that it is somewhere else other than you, the United States, but it would be cool.
1: See, if they're going to, with the way also people consume their television now. With streaming and you know video on demand, if you're not watching it live, I mean, you get the results on social media. It's hard not to stray away from social media if, if there's a big television event taking place because people will post spoilers or comment about it, um, which doesn't bother me too much. It really doesn't. Occasionally, I'll be like, "Oh, what the fuck! I shouldn't have gone on Facebook," but for the most part, you know, curiosity killed the cat for me. Um, yeah. But if they were to if they were to run over in the UK, I think it would have to be both nights. I, I I based on the time alone too, and the time difference too. You know, they're six hours ahead. So they run a show at seven o'clock um over there, their time. We get, you know, the show one PM in the afternoon on a WrestleMania weekend, both Saturday and Sunday in the springtime. WrestleMania is such a big enough name that I think people would still tune in to see it. Even if it's not at the traditional, you know, time domestically here in the United States,
0: I can see that for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're but I do like that it.
1: idea of like one night UK, one night, and that's 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 going to cost a pretty penny to produce yeah. two nights of TV. You know, you got to now. Here's the, here's the other thing. So. UK runs like let's say they let's say they've run a WrestleMania in Cardiff in that big stadium they had it in earlier this year for for Cat Clash of the Castle. Do they run WrestleMania in a big stadium domestically here in the United States, or do you run yeah. like a smaller arena like the, like like the Staples Center or Madison Square Garden?
0: No, you keep it big. Keep it big. It's the so grandest you, so, event. It's the grandest event.
1: But like I said, now you're gonna now you're 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 tasked to fill those stadiums in two separate regions where you, and and load those cards up load them up.
0: book a, just a you just have to book a stupendous card
1: they did earlier this year it was stupendous i'm just kidding <laughs> i mean this year's wrestlemania was fun don't get me wrong but um i think they have a better opportunity if you're going to if you're going to hold it in a stadium and you're going to do two nights you do it in the same stadium cuz you have True. a better i mean my wife thought, my my wife asked me about taking me to WrestleMania for my 40th. Um mm. and before I could even give her an answer, WWE sold out. They sold about like 97,000 tickets for both nights. So they're only look like and they have this thing where they're now only doing they're only selling certain aspects of the stadium. They're not selling a full stadium from yeah. a production level. So they're looking to only get about like fifty something thousand a piece each night, but that in 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 Los Angeles at SoFi, but that could change.
0: Well, that's because I mean, they take up part of the stage with the the, the presentation of everything.
1: Yeah, and but that's then I not just that. I looked at the yeah. map for the for the Alamo Dome when I'm going to the Royal Rumble, and they're only they only sold half the stadium. They only made half the stadium available. They blocked off the other half, mm. and they're doing the similar. They're doing like the baseball setup where like. They're coming out from the side, like the little diagonal aisle. You know what I mean? And the Alamo Dome's not a baseball stadium either. So
0: are we experiencing less fans?
1: I mean, I, I, maybe because of, I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe, maybe it was a strategy. Maybe it's a strategy they're trying to implement with, you know, coming back from COVID. Yeah. You know?
0: Keep the houses looking, pack at least. Yep. Uh, we're down to the final two here. British Bulldog and Typhoon. I do want to go to the audio when when the, the finish become, comes because it's a great reaction and a uh, lot of intensity.
1: Okay. We could do that. That but, is a uh, thing. That will happen. It's very possible.
0: We could do uh, anything
1: here on Marking Out the Days, the rebrand season. Anything. <laughs>
0: Fun little battle royal though. A lot of stars in here, a lot of uh guys that, that were really uh big names at the time. this was yes. a big battle royal. It know? was
1: top heavy, yeah. It was it was very top heavy. You didn't see uh Absolutely. You know one thing we didn't talk about, the absence Ooh, oh, of Obi yeah. on
2: this show. What a short, short bit of success he had. That's terrible. This should never, ever be allowed. The referees have they've got to bring somebody else in or do something about this. No, it's over. Davy, boy, get up, Davy, get up. Let's get some assistance down there. Get it down there. Bad boy, Davy. You stayed smooth, in. Nice move. <laughs> you got on. See there, Davy. They have a 9 number here in London. They better call for help. For the They're not done with it. They're yet. not finished yet. Oh, this is terrible oh
1: just recover from
2: the yeah cause that's intimidating
0: Yeah, the, uh, the ruckus there that they had, uh, the ruckus that they had was, was ex- explosive for British Bulldog, uh, one that I have not seen in a long time. That was a, that was a loud reaction for the British Bulldog.
1: That was, that was a very loud reaction.
0: And Andre, I mean, that was a big surprise. I forgot that he was on the end of this.
1: Yeah. Not I wanted that to mention he... too that H- uh, Hogan wasn't on this show, and no, he was the no. champ at the time, which was which was a big deal. So yeah, either he wasn't on the tour in general, or he just didn't make this show, and they wanted to center it around Davy Boy, because you got to oh, figure my... if Hogan was on the show, he probably would have won this Battle Royal.
0: Absolutely, the the trophy's falling apart too. Jeez, uh, they put a lot of work into that. But yeah, I think Hogan was either filming. Or uh, did not could not make the tour to some degree of that. That
1: doesn't surprise running,
0: me. Running a different show somewhere else, or uh, film. Uh, yeah. Cause this was the time when he was kind of doing Suburban Commando, and, or after this, Mr. Nanny and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, that's very possible
2: too.
0: Royal Albert Hall. Um, very cool go to the website for Royal Albert Hall you can see the they actually have the history there of this event
1: that is pretty cool I've seen some pictures of like other things that they were able to do um, at at this I mean WWE ran a couple of NXT shows there Um, in the last couple of years I remember watching some of those the the, the UK specials they did not like a takeover but like it was like a, a, a taped special they put out um else did i see that was on, like tennis matches boxing um, yeah things like that so it's got that very it's one of the the more prestigious venues over there in the uk area but this was a lot of fun dude i'm glad we got to do this uh nick yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for the request next time just keep it under an hour and a half all right so <laughs> um, please but we, we appreciate the enthusiasm and the request. And as always, if you guys got requests shows that you want us to watch on the Peacock, which is still the worst streaming app in the history of the metaverse, universe, world, America, the region, the county, the town, the street. It's still the worst. It will always be the worst. Uh, but we will continue to watch these events on this app. Um, while Kobe watches it through the various means as always but reach out to us over at the uh, retromania podcast at gmail.com um, or you can hit us up on our Facebook and Twitter um, if you got any special requests kicking out of Two does the same thing so special requests all day long um, want some feedback from all of you what do you want to go back and watch what do you want to reminisce on? Uh, hit us up over there as well. Um, search "Retromania" with the W N L podcast platform is available, and uh, you can find this show and all the great shows of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. So uh, now that I uh, I plugged the shit out of us, I think it's time that we uh, we call it a day. We, we jerk the curtain. We, we we roll the credits. We ring the bell.
0: Yeah. Good night, Irene.
1: Match is over. Ding ding ding. Time to leave. What do you think, Kobe?
0: I am spent. And I have to shit. Uh, so I will be taking a royal flush after this. All <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Uh, I had a lot of fun. Um, you guys uh, take care. Thank you for joining in the fun.
1: Oh, next month, let's before we roll credits, next month we're going to celebrate the Montreal screw job, but we're going to go a completely different route, okay? Because we it's been talked about to death regarding... The Montreal Screw Job, Brett and Sean, Vince, all the players involved. So Kobe and I are gonna go a different direction. We're gonna bring back that, that popular what if concept that I used over on Kicking Out at Two regarding Brett and Hogan at SummerSlam 93. But we're gonna see we're gonna we're gonna We're gonna explore the idea of what if the Montreal Screw Job was a work? What if this was one big giant storyline in WWF programming and Bret Hart didn't leave to go to WCW and this changes the entire landscape of the wwf for months to come we're going to explore that next month here on Market out today's the rebrand season what if montreal was not work and i now think it's officially time to end this show so we will see you all next month